Hi, Sophia here with just a quick update before I get you into the regular episode. We had some technical difficulties while recording that meant we had to use a lower quality audio file for a portion of the podcast. I just wanted to give you guys a heads up and apologize in advance and thank you all for bearing with us through our struggles. I think this was a really fun episode and I love this movie so I wanted to make sure that you guys got all that good content even if it meant that it sounds a little scratchier than normal. Enjoy! The Peter B. finally wakes up and the two of them exchange the who are you, who are you conversation as the train comes to a stop and the two of them fall into the center of a crosswalk uh, where no one goes around them because this is New York City, baby. We stopped no, no one. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. It's just a regular Tuesday. Hello and welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Ricciardi, and I am joined today by my dear friend and favorite uh, druid ranger hybrid, <laughs> Wally. I almost called you Finbar there, even though we just talked about not messing that up. Yeah, but... we're not doing that, no. <laughs> Wally, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm very, very excited to have you here today. And I have one question for you, and it's the question that I ask every single guest, every single episode of this podcast. Uh, why did we watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? Uh, I am a huge Spider-Man fan, probably. Like, that's my go-to superhero. And uh, after a learning of the new Black Spider-Man when he just came out in, like, what, 2010, I believe? Um, and then this movie was announced. I'm just like, this is going to be my number one movie until I die. Um, and I've seen this movie at least once a year for the past four or five years uh and of course if i'm going to be jumping on a podcast about movies which i tend to watch every once in a while mm -hmm. um i'm definitely talking about this movie so <laughs> awesome i was so excited when you picked this because i love this movie and i feel like i never have a good excuse to watch uh movies that i love for this podcast because people tend to pick like the best worst movie they saw in 2008 is how i've been saying it uh so this was a big treat for me uh, and very similar kind of gonna put a disclaimer out there for all of our listeners very similar to last episode with scott pilgrim this is a movie that honestly you should just stop listening and go watch uh because there is no way for me to describe what is happening that will be better than you in just enjoying the amazing visuals of this movie uh the animation is outstanding uh i Ooh, I love that 2D, 3D combo. It like, looks straight like it's off the page of a comic book. It's fantastic. Um, but if you do choose to just continue listening to this podcast, buckle up, because we got some story to get through. <laughs> we start with our uh, token logo, Sony, Marvel, etc. Uh, lots of ominous whooshing going on in the background in a faint heartbeat as the art style periodically glitches out with these uh, explosions of rainbow colors and squares and things as the sound ramps up and up and up. And we bring in the music, see flashes of the movie to come, titles roll, and Peter Parker smashes close a comic book. Oh, so there's oh okay. The yes, please. <laughs> Before we go into like any of the plot, let's talk about the music for a hot Ooh, second. Yes, please. Oh my. So, <laughs> uh, the, the, the typical score and soundtrack for um, this film was inspired by a whole lot of artists and just the, um, the soundtrack that they released um, going into the movie. Uh, has been on the top of some of my most listened music. Um, like they, it has my favorite artists. So uh, Jaden Smith is there, Vince Staples is there, uh, Amani Juice World is there, Duckworth. Um, like fantastic, Nicki Minaj, you know, jumps in. Little mm -hmm. Wayne comes in. Hell, hell, 
why not? DJ Khaled is also <laughs> um, there. Uh, Post Malone, Sway Lee, come on. Sunflower was a bop. So always good. is a bop. Will always be a bop. Um, but uh, and every time uh, they uh, throw the songs into the movie, it's it it's so seamless. It doesn't feel like it clashes mm-hmm. with um, some of uh, the um, what's it called the, the the more compositional pieces. Uh, score, um, yeah, the, the, the score, soundtrack and go. the score are are working together incredibly well. Um, they they manage to always seem to use the soundtrack at exactly the appropriate moment where it's not overwhelming what's happening on screen, whereas the score is sometimes better for like kind of more dialogue heavy scenes where you need to focus on what's going on. They do a really good job of blending the two together. But yeah, no, we get started with the movie, and of course they start with uh, they they don't hold your hand. They're just like, okay, mm-hmm. you know Spider Man. We're not gonna yeah. do this all over again. Here's a quick recap, <laughs> and uh, that's how they start it, and they bring keep bringing it back up every once mm-hmm. in a while just to remind you that like we're not going to go through all that uh this yeah. is a brand new spider-man uh and we're just going to focus on that i think this movie's a really good example to sort of continue on a tangent i know that they are very good at getting right to the point but i am not uh <laughs> this movie is a great example of uh this kind of feeling i've had recently and i don't know if you've had it too where it it's kind of the our generation is starting to be the people who are producing uh, a lot of oh, yeah. newer animated shows yeah. and movies and things, and it's like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. of course everyone like already knows who Spider Man is. Who doesn't know? But we all yeah. know. We all know Peter Parker's backstory. We don't need to dwell on that. And you can feel yeah. like the love that everyone who worked on this movie had for the story they were telling, and the stuff they were working from. It is a fantastic time to be a nerd right now. Yes, <laughs> um, it just feels like the, the industry is not. I, I don't want to say mainstream, but it's definitely mm-hmm. settling. Um, mm-hmm. Where you know we have uh, people who grew up on it are now making the content and yeah. uh they're like okay yeah we know you know we know you know so yeah. let's stick this in here yeah. and if you don't know that's okay that's okay we're, <laughs> mm-hmm. we'll show you how amazing yes. uh spider-man is um just <laughs> sit down and let, let's 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 go on a ride open the open the first page of your if your comic book if you would as the as the movie does quite literally we jump into a comic yes. book as peter parker begins narrating explaining that his name is peter parker and he's the one and only spider-man called into the spider-verse so you audience can guess how long that's gonna be true for uh we sort of speed run his origin story bit by radioactive spider fights villains saves the world yada 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 he parody a few of the uh scenes from previous spider-man movies including the infamous uh bopping on oh, down yeah. the street from the toby Maguire <laughs> ones um, oh god we don't talk about spider-man <laughs> we, don't, we don't talk about Spider-Man i mean we three. do but we don't we talk about it, it a lot but we talk around it <laughs> It's mm-hmm. sort of like like it's not like the Godfather three where we just fully don't acknowledge it exists. Like we won't stop talking or, um, about Spider Man three, but not because or the even... Avatar movie, which we don't. Yes, yes, talk exactly. About. So um, <laughs> he, you know, he's got all these Spider branded things, including a Christmas album, which I point out because there's such songs on it as "Joy to the World" that I just saved, which I love. Um, I would love a oh, <laughs> Spider Man Christmas album. <laughs> I love how they nodded to, like, there was this time in the 90s where they just pumped out a whole bunch of Spider-Man merch, um, mm. and they had this version of Spider-Man that had all these spider gadgets, and, and this comes back up again yeah. um, later in the movie, but, like, Spider-Man is a, is a major phenomena in uh, the United States, um, was sort of, this was, like, the Peter Parker that mm-hmm. they were uh, using to start the film on, and I thought that was great. Yeah. And, you know, no matter, he... He, he fights, we see a montage of him taking a lot of hits, but no matter how many he takes, he always finds a way to come back because he, the one and only Spider-Man, in big old air quotes, uh, is all that stands between the city and oblivion, and he loves being Spider-Man. 
And with a little wink from Peter, we get a hard cut to Miles at his desk as a sunflower sort of like faintly plays in the background and begins to come to the front. He's drawing, he's jamming out, sort of like mumbling along to the song. Uh, it's so, I, such a great okay. character introduction. Yes, while he I <laughs> was like, hey, that's me. That, that, that's me. That's me as a middle schooler. Uh, <laughs> headphones on, music blaring, mm-hmm. um, drawing, and like just completely losing track of time. And because as soon as uh, like you hear his parents shouting in the background, hey, mm-hmm. it's time for school. And I'm like, that's me. I just get lost in my own space whenever I'm creating. And I'm like, this movie is for wally and i'm here for it yeah, we're we're not even like 10 minutes into the movie at yeah. this point and i'm just like 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. i don't care where this goes let's let's keep it going it's great and you know as you mentioned his parents are calling for him in the background and miles eventually gets pulled in he's got to get ready for school he's late he throws all of his stuff in a bag packing up he sort of runs around throwing on his uniform rushing and grabbing some breakfast as his mom and his dad are sort of uh, mom gives him a kiss goodbye. His dad's like, you gotta, you sure you don't want me to drive you to school? Yada, yada, parents, being parents. And he takes off with his rolly bag as he walks down the street. He goes past his old school. He's just starting at a new one, we'll learn. And oh. he's got this whole rhythm going as he goes past all of his old classmates. He's very much in his element, you can tell here. And I think it's important to note that because he's very much going to be out of his element for a lot of the film. And this is a nice little touch point for us to know that like Miles can be very smooth when he wants to be. Uh, so here's the, uh, obviously like the aspect of having a black Spider-Man uh, mm-hmm. in of itself, uh, drew a lot of controversy, um, mm-hmm. when it premiered, um, and this movie, uh, has, um, at times s- s- tends to stay away from the lo- more political, um, aspects of Miles Morales, mm-hmm. um, but like, uh, coming from a mixed household, dealing with, uh, the inner city, he's literally, uh, at a charter school, um, which he won a lottery for, um, and, and I think that's important to phrase, uh, the kinds of struggle, um, that define his character, because every Spider-Man has their own, you know, defining struggles, and is, like, poor, smart kid trying to make it in the world, um, and, uh, having that shown on a big screen for like a black kid growing up is like who's smart talented smooth in his in his own right a little nerdy um and having to deal with this transition of now okay great the world recognizes you and is giving you this very specific chance to succeed um in a very polarized political um environment you know charter schools in um new york city are um a strange fix to the the weird sorts of segregation um that still exists up here um and uh that's literally just the setting um this character inhabits um and while the movie doesn't go into details about that it is still like i said it's, it's really nice to have that on the big screen like this is a reality for um some americans it's important to have um this part of America, which we haven't seen on the big screen just yet, uh, be represented in this movie. Um, so yeah. Uh, and, oh, also, his dad's a black cop in New York City, in of itself, that's that's a very interesting character um, to put into the movie. His mom is, uh, I think, I believe Puerto Rican uh, nurse working um, in an inner city. Um, it, and he's a superhero without dead parents, which... Uh, Again, like it's it's nice to have that the kid still yeah. has his parents, um, and uh, automatically like the setup going into this movie is just like oh this is just so good I I love where this is going <laughs> automatically. 
Yeah, I feel like they do such a good job of setting up Miles's character because I think it is very important to set up Miles's character in the way that they do early on in showing his family and the dynamic that they have and their background because it then makes a lot of his later decisions make sense and it, it let, allows us to just sort of jump into the story rather than having to focus so much on the origin because Miles as a character is great and charming and fun and we need to know a little bit about where he comes from in order to make that great, charming, fun character really shine. Um, but as he's sort of going along, uh, he goes to tag a stop sign and trips and falls right in front of a cop car, conveniently his dad's car, who then gives him a ride to his new school. And as they're driving, they're sort of struggling to connect. His dad is talking to him, but Miles is just sort of distracted and doesn't want his like old friends to see him in his dad's car. Um, and his dad does take the opportunity to complain about uh, the current Spider-Man, Peter Parker. <laughs> I guess current is... <laughs> Spoiler alert for the rest of the movie, if you haven't figured that out by this point in Movie Stroke, I don't know what to tell you. Um, his dad butchers the with great uh, power comes great responsibility line, with great ability comes great accountability. <laughs> and sort of, you know, bemoans the Spider-Man is sort of a vigilante operating outside of the confines and restrictions that his boys have. Uh, as he pulls up to his new school, Miles goes to jump out. He's... Uh, doesn't really seem to want to go. He did, as you mentioned, as a charter school, he won a lottery to attend it. He, he thinks of it as kind of elitist, but his dad tries to encourage him. And he's like, we don't, I don't want you to end up like your uncle, um, which Miles doesn't seem to see a problem with. They have a little bit of an argument and Miles uh, goes to enter the school and his dad is like, hey, I love you. They have a moment of reconciliation. Uh, and Miles is like, yeah, I know, and goes to turn away. But before he can walk into school, the siren on the car blares, and his dad gets on the radio and is like, you gotta say it back. Uh, embarrassing Miles in front of all of the new students at his school, but just trying to make hey, a very a dad parent, moment. <laughs> that's As a parent, that's just what you do, though. Like, uh, having, I mean, being as Miles, you know, having, uh, well, let's talk about black dads for a second. Like, having... <laughs> a black dad on screen um is a breath of fresh air honestly mm. um who is very concerned about his child um shows uh emotional vulnerability and uh also exists within uh the the aspect of being a dad you know taking his teenager to school um again like uh, all the feels all the feels going into the beginning of this movie um, and, and of course he has to embarrass his kids. So I'm just like, yeah, yeah no, I think it's important to say like Jefferson is definitely a good dad, like undeniably yep. great father figure. Uh, Miles is not hurting for father figures in this movie. He has a great one. He has a great father period. Uh, even if they are struggling to like quite connect, but you know, when you're a teenager, does, do any of us really connect with our parents when we're teens? I don't have enough hands to count how many times my mom and I would get into arguments before running off into school when I was in high school. You know, it's just mm -hmm. one of those things that happens. Uh, so Miles walks into school and kind of in comparison to how he was walking past his old school, he's sort of struggling to get into the flow of things and make friends. Uh, he tries to say hello to some people, but all he gets is a, your shoes are untied. And as we start uh, our next montage going through a bunch of classes, Miles is really struggling to get his rhythm. Uh, there's a really great piece of score playing in the background that's this blend of the music and sort of instructional videos a la the Fitness Grand Pacer Test. And yeah. I love it. <laughs> I was like, this is exactly what it sounds like to be in high school. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the the mundane of going to class, listening to instructors, it all sort of blends into each other. Um, and uh, I've seen this movie multiple times. Um, 
and like coming back after watching it the second or third time uh there's just the small details that we'll talk about when we get there um that are shown in this one montage and there's this huge contrast between this particular montage and every montage after that um that happens um as the movie progresses we'll get into it yeah uh, so Miles goes through some classes, struggling to keep up. Eventually, walking in late to a class, watching a video, lights off, you know, rolled in the TV, whole situation, uh, with a Dr. Olivia, last name conveniently covered by Miles standing in front of the projector, talking about the multiverse on screen. Uh, Miles makes a joke as the teacher asks him why he's late, about time being relative, and only one blonde girl in the classroom laughs, because it was just so quiet. Somebody As has to laugh. Come on. Someone has to laugh. There's got to be someone. Yeah. Um, Miles goes and takes his seat, and he and the blonde start chatting a little bit before they both get shushed. Uh, later on, Miles is getting his test results back in a math or a physics class of some sort, and it looks like he's gotten a zero, but the teacher explains, you know, if you got a zero, you had to have known all the correct answers, because even someone guessing would have gotten like a 40%. Uh, and actually, he got a 100, and because she senses that he's trying to quit, she assigns him a personal essay titled Great Expectations, uh, and we cut to Miles in his dorm room uh, attempting to write this essay. Let's put attempting in big old air quotes, because he very quickly gets uh, distracted, and instead of writing it, uh, hypnotized starts playing as he rushes out <laughs> across the street over to his Uncle Aaron's. Ugh, I love I love the soundtrack in this movie. The, uh, I, how do I, up until this point in the movie, like the, going through the charter school, I think it's mm -hmm. interesting to point out how a lot of these teachers, or at least this one particular teacher, um, genuinely cares, um, yeah. about Miles and his, his, um, performance in school. And I, I don't know if you had, I had a lot of really great teachers, mm -hmm. um, in school, mm -hmm. like constantly pushing me to do better with, whatever subject that was in um but uh it's a weird contrast to uh have a main character who actively does not want to be in a situation where everyone's encouraging him to win mm -hmm. um uh but i i think it's it's important to his character um yeah. in, in understanding this huge shift in environment that he's going through and it's it's about to shift again uh but uh, you, you'll you'll see where this comes from when he goes to hang out with um, his his uncle, um, who is uh, voiced by the wonderful Marshala Ali. Uh, that man can do no wrong. <laughs> I could just listen to him talk for hours. Like, if anyone knows a link to a supercut of just Uncle Aaron's lines in this movie that they want to send me, please I, hit us I, up. He should, he should be doing some podcasts. Like, this man yeah. just needs to just keep talking. I don't know how or um, where, Ellie, but... if you would like to come on Movie Struck, our <laughs> guest slots are open for you. We'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. So he goes over to his Uncle Aaron's, uh, who is clearly someone he feels very comfortable around. He's got this very kind of cool apartment. Uh, Miles climbs up the fire escape to get in, and Aaron is asking him, you know, how's school going? Any cool girls? And Miles is like, yeah, there's this one, there's this one <laughs> girl in the mix talking about the blonde from earlier, but he realizes he doesn't know her name, and this is where we get um, classic, classic, yeah. classic little bit of guidance coming here from Uncle Aaron. He's like, okay, okay, next time you see this girl, put your hand on her shoulder, and you give her the hey. <laughs> shoulder touch, classic. Shoulder touch, classic. Miles tries to imitate him a few times, and they kind of goof off and riff about it. And as they're messing around, Miles gets a text from his dad asking how his homework is going, which kind of 
kills the mood a little bit and he says he should go. He's got homework to do. Uh, and as he's kind of making to leave, Aaron spots a sketch he's done in his notebook asking if he's thrown it up yet. Um, and Miles is like, no, no, I can't, I can't. But we kind of transition right through that to him losing that conversation and heading down with Aaron into the subway to a restricted area uh, where Aaron has did an engineering job recently. Um, they jump the fence, Aaron much more gracefully than Miles, and enter into hmm. this wide domed vestibule <laughs> with some nice blank walls, putting on uh, some... Oh, yes. No, 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 keep going. I, I mean, th this, this next montage coming in, um is uh absolutely fantastic and it, it comes into contrast into this 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 uh two worlds dynamic uh that they've been trying to set up um which is present for spider-man but i think it's to put it in a black context uh, is very interesting um but uh like the essay he was assigned was uh great expectations which is a very general tagline but uh the the design that he tags up in this in this one area is, is literally says no expectations like this this uh, this uh pressure to perform at such a high level um academically uh is i know something i had to deal with um growing up and to see this this mirrored um on the big screen again like i wally watching this movie for the first time <laughs> is is floored yeah yeah uh but they they put on some tunes miles gets to work spray painting as a suspiciously glitchy spider descends from the ceiling and as you mentioned this is all done in montage so we're cross-cutting between spray paint going and the spider crawling ever closer to miles um, he climbs into Miles' jacket, up his arm, and he almost lands on his hand to bite it before getting kind of knocked off as Miles is spray painting. And oh yeah, they, they tease it. Yeah, they tease it. They're like, you know what, you know what's coming. You know we'll, what, we'll, <laughs> what we're doing. We'll draw it out just a little bit, though. Just a little bit. Yeah, just um, a tiny smidge. And then when the bite finally comes, um, it's uh, it's it, again, they they there's this constant contrast between like the the impact of any. A particular action versus uh its actual uh real world like counterparts so, like when he gets bit there's this huge montage stylized montage of like uh, the the venom entering his blood um uh, his spells his cells splitting apart um and then he doesn't feel it he's like okay yeah he just swats it away and it drops off and he's like okay yeah that happened and it's weird yeah, yeah exactly uh the last thing they do to this uh uh, spray paint they're putting up is Aaron outlines Miles all in white as they finish the art, merely making him a part of the project. Uh, no expectations, as you mentioned. And him and, and Miles sort of chat about how Miles's dad and Aaron used to do this back in the day uh, before his dad became a cop. Uh, but when Aaron gets a text, they they have to go and leave. And this is where, of course, as they as they turn to go, and Miles goes to snap a pic of his art. Uh, the spider climbs on his hand and bites him, and we get a crazy wild colorful shot of all the cells going wild and miles just flicks that spider on away later that night uh in his dorm miles is laying in bed while his roommate works and reads comic kind of in like a time lapse situation and the next morning miles notices his pants have suspiciously shrank and declares that maybe he hit puberty oh man okay so the shot of him in his dorm room uh it, it's it's like seeing two different halves of myself. There's me who will uh, go to bed early and sleep all night and wake up late. Um, and then there's me who will literally stay up working on God knows what um, all night. 
you know, it's just like, huh, okay, th- this movie's really calling me out right now, and I don't <laughs> like it. And then snap cut to that morning with uh, him, you know, waking up, and the pants don't fit. Like, that was also me in middle school. <laughs> I think I grew uh, easily, like, six to eight inches over the course of, like, two years between like like between eighth and ninth grade there was this giant growth spurt um that i went through as all, all young boys do um and evident by the fact that like, yeah no i my pants just didn't fit i'm just like again this movie needs to stop calling me <laughs> out it's like secretly a, a wally biography that somebody's been following me around <laughs> um it does not help with my um paranoia <laughs> Oh, man, that would be awkward. And speaking of awkward, Miles is a little bit of a weird moment with his roommate. And as he's sort of starting to think to himself in this situation, uh, which hasn't been happening up till now in the movie, but now these little text boxes, comic book, inner monologue style, start popping up in the corners around him. Uh, Maybe I should have kept that to myself as Miles goes through his any sort of self-doubt or internal monologue of himself. And this is where the comic book of it all really starts to shine through now that Miles has fully begun his wild and fantastical journey here so this 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 next sequence of like thoughts of him just like stumbling around the school um is uh i, I think sort of the opposite of him um at first in the school where he's he's just going through the motions um and the biggest visual difference is now all of a sudden the paneling um yeah. uh and uh as a fan of comic books myself the 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 idea of panels appearing on the big screen um mm-hmm. which is, isn't anything new every once in a while they do like a split screen or like a multi-screen but the fact that there are literal inset panels on the screen adds these uh it's this overload of visual information um and it's also another reason why i keep watching the movie every once in a while i'm just like okay i'm gonna freeze here i'm gonna see let's check out some of these panels yeah. um uh but it 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 forces you to all of a sudden say, okay, whoa, slow down. There's a lot going on here. Um, <laughs> and that's the exact same emotion that uh, Miles is going through. And, and I cannot stress how well how well put together words uh, this movie is uh, in terms of, like, uh, this, this fantastic um, awareness of, like, the visual medium that they're in. Um, and, it, like, the animation style is fantastic, but the way they incorporate um, comic book elements is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it feels very natural. I think they do a really good job of making it both feel natural that you're watching it and also making the audience be off-put by the same things that Miles is off-put. Like, why can I, why can I see my thoughts? Why can I hear <laughs> myself so loudly? As the text boxes begin to appear kind of helps account for that and also makes us aware of it um, when we're watching, because I, I know thinking to myself, like, if I was just watching this and Miles didn't have a moment where he's like, why are my thoughts so loud? Um, I don't think I would necessarily, literally, necessarily, words, I don't think I would necessarily clock that this is a, a change and a choice that they're making from this point forward to make the movie even closer to a comic book than the first 20 minutes or so have been. Um, and I think it's a great effect because it sort of indicates to us that the story has changed a little bit. Um, and they do that a couple times with how they'll have the characters interact with the style of the movie, which is mm-hmm. always super interesting to see because it never feels forced or unnatural in this movie, which is really hard to do. So props to them for that. 
Miles is now off his rhythm, and he bumps into Blondie once again, who notices him sweating a lot, and he tries to make a conversation, but he's super awkward, and finally introducing himself, uh, and she does too, and I, it's fun, because he doesn't quite clock that she's being as awkward as he is when she's introducing herself as <laughs> Gawanda, and then uh, later Wanda and sort of, sort of rambling, but he's so in his own head that he's like, I gotta do the shoulder touch, I gotta do the shoulder touch, I gotta do yeah. the shoulder touch. <laughs> Why is my hand moving in such slow motion as he brings his hand up to land on her shoulder and does the uh, Uncle Aaron hey. But as he goes to pull his hand away, the moment being incredibly strange, uh, his, he, his hand literally gets stuck in her hair and in trying to get it free and spinning around and around, uh, they just kind of end up in the nurse's office. <laughs> she has to cut uh, his hand out of her hair, much like if you were to get gum stuck in your hair uh, in middle school. Um, this introduction of uh, Gwen is uh, probably one of my... Uh, I don't know. It's hard to put like favorites <laughs> um, in some of the characters that show up on this movie. But like, there's the, like that very awkward break she seems very cool calm collected but mm -hmm. like just introducing herself to miles she has this um uh hesitation in terms of like telling miles um her name and it it's expanded upon later in the movie but all of a sudden there's this there's this very clear flaw to someone who could very easily fall into this mary sue category mm -hmm. um and i'm just like this is fantastic. I love where this movie is going. Just don't stop. Um, and then, uh, and then there's a very uh, fun narrative reason for her character design. This buzz cut, um, which is 100% Miles's fault, uh, and I, <laughs> yep. I, that is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's very, uh, it's just beautiful. And also, I feel like we should mention Gwen, voiced by Haley Steinfeld, oh, another one of the, the other stacked thing. cast members uh, of this movie. <laughs> Uh, my, uh, childhood crush. I love this girl. <laughs> and anything, she's, she can do it all. She sings, mm -hmm, acts, mm -hmm. it's insane. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Uh, so, you know, getting a little bit of the cold shoulder from Gwen after he, you know, made her have to cut off, like, half of her hair, uh, <laughs> Miles, still with some of her hair stuck to his hands, kind of walks the halls where he's concerned that everyone knows that who he is and that he's a weirdo and as he starts rushing down the hall a little bit more frantically he bumps into a security guard who says i know you snuck out morales and we get a great uh miles thinking to himself play dumb who's morales not that dumb moment which i'm sure you've all seen the memes of <laughs> miles makes a break for it rushing down the halls and into a nearby room only to realize that he's in the very security guard's office uh, of the man who's chasing him <laughs> and uh, Miles gets stuck to even more stuff as Spider Christmas song starts playing. I didn't clock exactly which one it was. Uh, but he ends up sort of frantically running around, going out the window, thinking, unstick, unstick, unstick. Okay, stay stuck, stay stuck, stay stuck, as he's running across the outside of the school. Uh, <laughs> he gets I pigeons think... stuck to him. He nearly interrupts a class, narrowly avoiding being seen in the window. Pretty sure, like, almost every Spider-Man movie has that... Um has a montage of um them understanding or or getting used to the fact that they can literally stick to anything yeah um which is uh it's it's one of the baseline spider-man powers actually i think uh, uh, uh almost every version of spider-man uh, definitely on the big screen but if you think about some of the 
other variants that exist. Um, like, that's just one of the spider powers that you get. There's web shooters, um, uh, very, uh, I think it's that and the spidey sense, but even then, the No Way Home, uh, the, um, what's his name? No Way Home. Um, Tom Holland? I, Tom Holland, yeah, the Tom Holland Spider-Man. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm just, like, overloaded with spider information there's, there's right so, now. We've got so much spider content to get through that the one who's not in this movie, I do not, <laughs> I do not, uh, begrudge you for getting his name. Um, but, no, no, so, like, the, the Spider-Sense and, um, Climbing on Walls is just iconic, uh, Spider-Man things, and having this montage was just a blast, uh, you're getting stuck to birds, like, yeah. New York City, you're gonna throw some pigeons on Spider-Man. There's gonna be some pigeons out there. Um, he does eventually make his way back into his room <laughs> where his roommate Spider-Man comics reveal exactly what you were just talking about, Wally. This sort of montage of what's happening to me is very, very common to the Spider-Man oh, story. Yeah, no. The movie's just like, okay, this was cute. Let's just give him the answer. And he's like, yeah, you're Spider-Man. Get over it. Let's keep moving. You got, you got spider powers, buddy. Yeah. Um, you know, he's thinking to himself, there can't be two Spider-Men. The opening montage told me there was just the one and only Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, and a new comic issue the miles issue appears um he tries to call his uncle aaron for help and as he's sort of wandering throughout the night gets later and later he makes his way back to the subway uh in the area where they were spray painting the other night kind of thinking about calling someone almost calls his dad then hangs up got a little bit of a distance in that relationship right now uh getting off the train at back in the, the open vestibule where he got bit by the spider. He, he goes and looks for it and he finds it and he's like, this is it's a totally normal spider, totally normal Spider-Man. It's a completely regular dead bug. Um, but when he touches it, it sparks a bunch in that glitchy animation that we've seen a couple times hinted at. Um, continuing on through the tunnels, he thinks to himself, uh, what am I doing? And as he's creeping through this much more sinister looking abandoned laboratory area, um, now spooky without his uncle, uh, he's hearing these voices in his head periodically as the glitchy sort of lighting is flashing up around us every once in a while. He's being guided to keep searching. Uh, as he... <laughs> this is one of the uses of onomatopoeia, or not... Onomatopoeia is the wrong word, but they use a lot of text in the art of these, this movie, similar to how in a comic book you would get pow and what have you. Um, here we see the words look out, flash in the window, the moment before the window behind him is broken, as uh, I think it's Peter Parker and the Green Goblin come wrestling through uh, mid-battle with Norman. We hear kind of flashes of their conversation as they're fighting, now the whole world being thrown into chaos. Um, Norman's trying to open a portal to some dimension because... <laughs> because of course he is, yes. Of course he is. Spider-Man villain, what you gonna do? Uh, and Peter Parker is trying to get him to stop because, and I quote, Brooklyn is not zoned for that. <laughs> OSHA would be proud. Miles is sort of trying to stay out of the way of the danger as he watches Spider-Man and the Green Goblin fight. He's like, I gotta get out of here. But as he goes to leave, he gets stuck to a beam and ends up pulled into the middle of the fight, dodging the two kind of like titans running around him. As he's trying to get out of the way, he ends up uh, in a much slicker steel tube. This sort of big... Yeah, you gotta. Do you like Spider Man? Okay. Um, this sort of large uh, silver cylinder with two colliders or what have you on either end. Um, falling into it, Spider Man finally notices that he's there and swings over to, to grab Miles. They land on a, a platform, and Peter uh, reminds Miles that his shoelaces are untied. And as they share a moment of, like, I'm Spider-Man, I'm saving a civilian, they both have a Spider-Sense reaction. Yeah, they have a... 
Yeah, like little, get the, get the spider sense lines. Yeah. Oh, ooh, I love it. Um, uh, this, I mean, it's a weird uh, meeting the mentor moment, but um, it, it's kind of, um, what's what's the, I don't want to say red herring, what's, it's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of a false flag. It's like, this is not yeah. the actual moment, but it's just like, okay, at least, like, he got to meet his version of um spider-man like we'll stick that in there and then we're gonna rip your heart out yes uh, yes i hope you're ready i've got some tissues at the ready uh after the spider sense sort of tingles they realize that they're like each other peter's like oh you're like me uh and miles is like i i don't want to be uh peter's like you don't have a choice but it's fine i can help you i'll show you the ropes he's exactly the sort of mentor that miles would be maybe seeking out at this point right. uh, and Miles is very appreciative but Peter has to zoom off to destroy the big machine that they're in before the time-space continuum is destroyed. We kind of follow Peter as he swings away, clearly very practiced, experienced. He's done this a thousand times, uh, while Miles watches wondering how he does that. Peter opens a panel in the ceiling and goes to insert a flash drive or doohickey or what have you. Um, but as he does, his spider sense goes off and a purple and spike-looking bad guy jumps out of the woodwork to attack him. It's the Prowler. Miles watches as the Prowler, who has an awesome, like, guitar riff that plays and screech oh. that every time he shows up, it's so good. <laughs> Ooh, I love it so much. It's maybe my favorite piece well, of score in the movie, and it's, like, one yes. bar. I'll have to save my comments for uh, Prowler and his, his characterization for, for much later. But, like, uh, like that is, like, that is a uh miles morales villain like that's not a typical that's not a classic um uh spider-man villain and his introduction uh is sort of is a breath of fresh air in contrast to some of the other villains that pop up um which you know everybody more or less knows yeah yeah uh so miles is watching as prowler and parker are fighting peter quipping the whole time until the green goblin kind of zooms in to pin him down Miles considers going into help before deciding that's a bad idea and hiding once more as Kingpin's uh, scatting draws the everyone's attention, which is the exact subtitle wording <laughs> for this for his uh, musical entrance in a, a nearby room full of scientists with monitors, a control room, if you will. Uh, Let's Kingpin... talk about Kingpin for a hot second. <laughs> this dude is a literal square, uh, a giant black square on screen. <laughs> everywhere he goes um in terms of like from a comic book perspective like if you were to if you were to ink this guy on a white sheet of paper the the amount of blacks that his <laughs> character takes up in contrast to like a white page lets you know like just from that big black square on a page mm-hmm. this is the villain like the yes. he, um it i think marvel has done fantastic uh, job adapting his character um to the big screen um in uh daredevil um mm-hmm. what's his name who plays uh fist oh. um uh vincent d'onofrio yes d'onofrio is absolutely kills it he his charisma um mm-hmm. is palpable at any time uh, he's on screen and both versions are absolutely fantastic um uh and and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I enjoy it. Um, another interesting thing in terms of like visual aesthetics is that um, 
for the majority of the film, there's this, uh, there's these screen tones that play in terms of shading some of the models and some of the backgrounds. Um, some of them are just uh, solid lines, other ones are the dots. But when um, uh, Kingpin shows up on screen, uh, the black completely overshadows that. Like there's none of that. So it appears a little bit on his silhouette and on his face, but everywhere else is just like no. This is this is pure like comic book ink black. Yeah. Um, and the, this black sort of shows up later on in, in the final fight once once again. But like I, in contrast to the explosion of colors that they literally throw into your face, this this dude is just like nah. I'm yeah. the bad guy. It it makes him even more imposing. I mean, obviously, again, he's a giant square. But his his size and the combination of how different he is from everything around him just it, it communicates so much about like how much of a threat he is right off the bat compared to because up till now you know we've seen giant goblin man flying around and yeah really scary purple claw dude like they're scary in the way that many villains are scary but Kingpin is the first really imposing figure that we've seen you're like he's clearly in charge hello not Meg are you coming back no okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's. He's sort of addressing Peter in this situation. He's asking, you know, he's like, if you want to, you can check out my new toy. I'm about to do a test run. It's going to be a hell of a freaking light show. Uh, and as he says that, the scientists power on the machine, illuminating the entire silver cylinder that they're in as colorful beams fire off into the center at each other. Um, five dimensions open, calls out a scientist, but it's unstable and they should probably stop the experiment. All over Brooklyn, glitches start popping up and street lamps and what have you. And, uh, you know, Miles starts to fall a little bit. The Green Goblin gets hit by a falling panel from the ceiling. And Peter manages to kind of get out for a moment. But it's only for a moment because he's caught pretty quickly and shoved into the science rainbow stream going through the center of the room. The stream overloads and glitches out, exploding in a, a bunch of rainbow crazy effects. Um... And the screen turns to rubble as afterwards in the much, much duller colored, dusty uh, ruins of what once was, Miles sees the fallen claw of the goblin and a very beat-up Peter Parker who insists that he's just resting, even though he can't seem to get up. But he always gets up. <laughs> I just, I'm not sad. I wasn't sad at all. I. It's just raining today, I'm fine. <laughs> didn't need a moment. Um, But... Let's talk about multiverses for a hot sec. Yeah. I feel like we need to address the elephant so, in the room of this movie. Um, Just the structure of comic books in the past, like, 60 years or so is this, is this adage that a lot of the heroes don't particularly die. You know, they're, they're usually rebooted. Um... And uh, just for the sake of popularity and, you know, Marvel, both Marvel and DC, uh, Dark Horse and a lot of indie comics have struggled to uh, introduce new um, concepts in terms of superheroes that would capture the American imagination. Um, and then at some point they, they just had a whole bunch of different versions of these superheroes uh, that they were, they were trying to ignore. Um, and... I want to say it was late 90s, early 2000s. They they um, decided we're just going to make the multiverse um, a solid canonical thing that we can now fuck around with narratively. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's not that it didn't exist, but like all of a sudden they, they, they created specific story arcs to say, hey, this is a thing. This is a thing we can play with. This is a um, characters can hop in and out of multiverses. Um, and it introduces this fun idea of 
um, essentially you have the exact same character, same, exact same uh, concepts, same struggles, same identities, um, all of a sudden present in the exact same space. Um, and it asks you to consider the subtle differences um, between the environments that birthed these characters. Now, all of a sudden, it's not just the character that matters, but it's also the environment from which they were produced. Um, and going into this movie, uh, the the um, bringing the Spider-Verse to the big screen, which is um, relatively, I don't want to say... In terms of, from a storytelling perspective, this has mm-hmm. a lot of interesting implications in terms of, like, how we're telling stories now, as right. opposed to, like, the 80s and 90s. Um, being, like, we, we grew up on the content that was created then, and it's just like, okay, how do we expand on that from there? And this is where Into the Spider-Verse sort of, like, okay, this is, I think it's part of a series of uh, introducing... Um, shared universes um Mm -hmm. which you know marvel has been trying to do dc have been trying to do um a lot of movie um franchises are attempting to do um as well as to the question as to why or why is this relevant or why is this interesting or as to like um what does this mean for you know uh storytellers now um i think spider for me, Into the Spider-Verse helps to um, provide a, what's the word? A, um, I think it feels like a more natural bridge, maybe, between like, the yeah. concept of the multiverse and the comics and bringing that to the big screen. Because this yeah. is something that I, 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 I haven't seen the newest of the MCU Spider-Man movies, but I am told mm-hmm. that it somewhat touches on a similar topic. Uh, it, it's a difficult concept to translate to screen because movies tend to be their very own self-contained universes. Right. And so a movie that contains multiple universes is wild and crazy. And so yeah. by making that the kind of core crux of the story of this movie and then being able to relate it back to the framework of like the characters mm-hmm. you love come from different parts of the multiverse, but they're all part of this one story, I think really right. grounds the whole situation because otherwise mm-hmm. it can be tricky that, to navigate. I mean, it does get... <laughs> It can get like very large existential mm-hmm. um, in terms of like understanding like why not just tell the original Miles Morales um, origin story and why mm-hmm. do an intro the Spider Verse version of it? Uh, sorry, thoughts. Let's catch them. Okay, um, it <laughs> it introduces this interesting dichotomy um, mm-hmm. into character as a concept. So Spider Man as a mantle. Um, and then, uh, uh, and then as an individual, and then Spider-Man as an individual, which is this specific case where we're looking at Miles Morales, and we'll we'll get into it. So this one instance where um, the Green Goblin, you know, shoves uh, Spider-Man's head into this large collider, uh, all of a sudden says, "Hey, this is the one thing." We're going to literally break into pieces, mm-hmm. you know, put them all next to each other, and then say, okay, these are all Spider-Man, but highlighting the importance of each individual, uh, I, I don't want to say gimmick, but uh, each individual environment to which mm-hmm. they were born um, from is sort of now the focus of storytelling. It's just like, we okay, we know what Spider-Man is, no problem. But now we need to understand why this 
idea of Spider-Man is so universal. Mm -hmm. um, and we're doing it in the lens that hasn't really happened and we're looking at a black inner city kid. Um, and, and that's what's refreshing about it. Um, so, and up until this point, this, this has all been set up. Here's the black inner city kid. Here's Spider-Man. Here is this concept of the multiverse with this giant collider. Um, and, um, let's go. Like, let's get rid of one Spider-Man and let's introduce the rest of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, speaking of getting rid of one Spider-Man, uh, Kingpin starts looking for Peter, who gives Miles the override key and tells him that it's it's all up to you to swing up there and use it to blow this thing up, putting yet another great expectation on Miles, as it were. Uh, you know, he tells you him, always hide your face. No one can know who you are. Kingpin will kill everyone who you, you know, know and love. Uh, and Miles promises Peter that he'll destroy the Collider. Peter assures him that it's going to be okay. And as Miles kind of scampers away, he sees from his hiding spot, uh, Kingpin find Peter. <laughs> have a little bit of a final standoff as Peter tries to dissuade Kingpin from using the collider. It's, it's going to destroy all of Brooklyn. And as the Prowler walks up to finish Peter off, uh, Kingpin stops him. As Peter is like, "I don't you want to know what I saw in there? They're they're gone. You know, they're, you're you're never going to get your family back." Which enrages Kingpin so much that he punches Peter. R.I.P. to um, the first Peter Parker of this movie. Startled, Miles makes a noise and the Prowler takes off after him, that screeching riff the whole time, uh, as Miles rushes back up through the subway, narrowly jumping um, out of the way of the train and onto the platform, losing the Prowler as he makes it to the street level. Um, but not before the Prowler powers up his Prowler mobile, which is what I have to assume that that motorcycle is called, uh, and does try and give chase. <laughs> I'm not sure what it's called, but a Prowler Mobile sounds apt. Yeah, it's, we'll call it feels that. Right. Yes. It feels right. It feels right. Miles runs back to his parents' house, and they assume that he's spooked because of the earthquake that's totally not connected to the collider powering on. No, not uh, at all. Not at all. They let him stay for the night. Miles asks his dad if he really hates Spider-Man, and his dad's like, yeah, I mean, he's a vigilante. And starts to walk it off as his mom's like, just let it go, honey. Uh, and comforts Miles a little bit, declaring very poetically that their family doesn't run from things. You know, they're under the assumption that he's stressed from the, the charter school earthquake combo, mm -hmm. which is not untrue, but there's a third element in there that we need to worry about. And that's the watching a beloved public hero um, get brutally murdered underneath the streets of Brooklyn. Um, yeah, that'll, that'll change the man really throw you off your rhythm uh <laughs> as miles begins to sort of like fall asleep we hear a breaking news report uh spider-man is dead miles's mom and dad watch on tv as peter parker's story is reported you know all the beats that we kind of know to expect from the the classic spider-man stories grad student part-time photographer etc etc um scared of the dark starts playing as miles sneaks out um, the people of New York City somberly learn of the passing of their first Spider-Man. Mary Jane is giving a speech at a memorial, and as she's talking, Miles is uh, underneath that voiceover going and buying a Spider-Man costume from a store run by Stan Lee. The uh, man himself. <laughs> the man himself. Uh, conveniently with a no returns or exchanges sign. So if the costume doesn't fit, too bad, buddy. It's a little bit, like, ill-fitting and goofy-looking, but that's kind of thematic. You know, it's not Miles' yeah. costume. It's Peter's costume. It shouldn't yeah. fit Miles perfectly just yet. Uh, but at least it is a mask, and mm -hmm. we go to the vigil where a couple of masked people in the crowd are listening as Mary Jane is speaking. She says that, you know, we're, we can all be Spider 
men and or we're all counting on you, which Miles repeats to himself, and a guy next to him leans over and is like, it's probably a metaphor, they don't mean you specifically. Yeah. <laughs> which is uh, just great. Fantastic irony. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this idea of we can all be Spider-Man is, is mm-hmm. kind of, you know, the, the overarching premise of like introducing this this multiverse like there's different version of spider-man and at some point you know there's a version that relates more to you um and and will inspire you to do the things that you know spider-man inspires everyone to do mm-hmm. it's interesting to look at a character who who struggles uh with you know doing the 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 right thing you know mm-hmm. uh, at any 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 given point and then um to smash cut to the crowds of people that are inspired by such ideology. I don't know, if, if you look at that in an everyday sense, uh, the, the thousands of Spider-Man comic book readers, uh, the people who, who love the character as much as I do, mm-hmm. um, uh, it, it, it highlights how difficult that philosophy is right. to apply in real life. You know, like, yes, he's a superhero. He's got superpowers to help him do the things that he has to do. He has the great power and he lives up to the great responsibility. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're a regular person with regular responsibilities and you you should use the regular amounts of power you have to to make sure you get those responsibilities done. And and, and I think um, as... You know, me growing up, I'm I'm a adult now, and I have to do adult things. I have to re- remind myself, just be like Spider Man. You might mm-hmm. not like doing some of the things that you have to do on the day to day basis, but like it, it's you have you're blessed. You know, you have this mm-hmm. opportunity um, that not a lot of people have um, to do the things that you need to do. Uh, and for me, like this scene, which is like this is everybody. Everybody's yeah. just trying to do their best on any given day yeah i was just like yeah man yeah yeah we're all out here doing our best uh and miles kind of with renewed vigor is trying to figure out how to do his best he starts reading comic books to learn from what peter parker had been doing uh in a little bit of a montage running to the top of a tall building and stepping out to the edge building up his courage looking down and out and down and running on back down the stairs and walking back up the stairs of a slightly smaller building. (laughs) He goes to run and jump but trips on his untied shoelace and falls to the ground hitting many conveniently placed signs in the interim Uh, and as he lands there's an ominous crack from his back pocket and reaching in he notices that he's shattered the ever so important USB drive microchip thing. If only there was a convenient word for that. <laughs> uh, the MacGuffin. That's what uh, that's what they call it later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, again, like I, I, I'm trying not to bog this whole thing down. But it's, it's please. What are we here um, for? <laughs> so, so, so like this. Uh, he's trying to find this balance between like great expectations and no expectations, mm-hmm. and the fact that he starts with the tall building. He's like, okay, there's these great expectations on me. He's like, but I, I can't really live up to that height. Let's try something right. a little smaller. Um, and he does pick something a little smaller. He he trips. You know, this dude always has his shoelaces <laughs> on time. Always untied. on time. He's um, got to get some like Velcro sneakers or something. I know it's not cool I, to have Velcro sneakers, but I really think Miles could benefit from that in this situation. Oh, uh, <laughs> man. Uh, 
but like yeah no no he he trips and he falls um and montage is is great the animators did their thing mm-hmm. um i okay quick aside uh yeah. the impacts and sort of the small uh action lines that they throw in between frames fantastic so Chef's good <laughs> um but uh there's this this moment of failure you know mm-hmm. um where all of a sudden he's tasked with like obviously the way he's going about um trying to meet these expectations has not been working um right. and it's, it's it's evidenced by him breaking the important thing that he needs to do, hold on to in order to do the thing that he needs to do mm-hmm. um is uh, a, a great moment which leads into sort of th- this next section of the film like he, he goes into this giant slump where he's like yes. hey, this, this mountain is enormous like how on earth am i supposed to be spider-man mm-hmm. how do i be the spider-man that peter parker was when really he needs to be the spider-man that miles morales will be uh mm-hmm. but he hasn't quite reached that we haven't reached that point in the story yet right now he's just wandering into a graveyard late at night, still in his uh, dollar store Spidey costume, uh, arriving at the grave of Peter. And What, upon- you don't you don't wander around graveyards in Spider-Man suit? Uh, not much these days. When I was in high school, maybe, but yeah. Okay, it's, yeah. It's not a good idea, gotta, by the way. I gotta pay it's... taxes and stuff. Who's got time to wander around graveyards in your Spidey yeah, suit when there's um, W-2s I to will... be filed? <laughs> <laughs> I will highly dissuade anybody from doing that. It's, it's not a fun time. Okay, maybe once... If you want to know what it's like, but after that, just don't even bother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he apologizes to the tombstone for breaking the key, and he, he's like, I want to do what was asked of me, but I, I can't do it alone. Uh, and as he's sort of saying this, another figure drops down behind him and approaches, startling Miles and prompting him to shock the figure, who webs Miles and drags him forward in the snow as the figure is knocked out. Um, Miles, looking at a very schlubby Peter parked out in the snow, asks who he is as we repeat our comic book montage from the beginning of the movie as Peter B. Parker, who has a very similar story to Peter Parker, except he's very tired and over it now, explains his life as Spider-Man, the one and only Spider-Man up till now. Um, He's, you know, done a lot of the same things, bit by spider, dead uncle, married MJ, uh, but he's fought crime for so long and he's so tired. Um, and his life has been on a downhill spiral from some bad investments. MJ left him. They got divorced. Uh, Aunt May died. He's just kind of been living his best, sitting alone in a very dismal apartment, eating pizza life, periodically fighting crime. And, of course, for this version of Peter Parker, they picked the only man for the job. The only possible man for the job. Sir Nicholas Miller from New Girl, Jake Johnson. Oh, so good. So they so they could good. not have picked a better for, person for this one. Um, but no, the movie gets super depressing mm-hmm. um, and and a little morbid in terms of comedy <laughs> uh, yeah. in this uh, section. But like the introduction introduction of this character and then ha- having his body literal literally dragged uh, around Brooklyn um, is it's it's a weird way to lightheartedly introduce such a heavy character quite literally a heavy character for uh <laughs> miles um to be partnered with yeah important to note in this little montage we learned that him and mj broke up because uh peter b was scared of the possibility of having kids and all that he wasn't ready for it um that's why he's in his apartment eating pizza alone and while he was d- enjoying such a lifestyle a glitch appeared and he was sucked in and arrived in Miles' universe, which was New York City, but not his New York City. Um, mm-hmm. Because in this universe, he's dead and also blonde. Um, 
he's like, I, I assume what brought me here is what got this universe's Peter killed. And as Miles is looking over Peter B., and this kind of montage ends, uh, some cops show up and Miles goes to run from them, but because they are webbed together, he has no choice but to take Peter B. with him, trying to swing away, uh, but getting caught by gravity and swinging back down the other side of the parabola and inadvertently stuck to a passing subway car. Um, <laughs> and the two will then get proceed to get dragged along through traffic, narrowly dodging trucks and cars and what have you as Peter B. Gets, comes to and then gets knocked out multiple times. Um, Multiple. It's it's <laughs> no, it, it. That's why this is an animation. If yes. they <laughs> in real life, this man would have died. I'm yes. just I'm just saying. I'm, yeah. Look, I know Even he's Spider Man and all, but like, <laughs> I know he's Spider Man and all, but like, he's. I that's mean, coming face to face with New York City traffic and living. Be rough. That's that's an act of God. Um, as they're flying through traffic, at one point they land on a cop car where the dispatcher inside is alerting them that there is a child dressed like Spider-Man dragging a homeless corpse behind a train to kind of give us context to what everyone else in the world is perceiving this I want to know as. who storyboarded this entire section because yeah. they're like, yeah, okay, let's. I'm going to have a kid drag around a practically <laughs> unconscious body for this the next you know five minutes of this movie. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, the Peter B. finally wakes up and the two of them exchange the who are you, who are you conversation as the train comes to a stop and the two of them fall into the center of a crosswalk uh, where no one goes around them because this is New York City, baby. We stop New for no York. one. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. It's just a regular Tuesday. Yeah, I assume Peter B. passes out at some point because when his eyes slowly open and we do that thing that they do in animation sometimes where we go into eye vision and we see his eyelids open from his own <laughs> point of view, uh, he's tied to the punching bag in Aaron's apartment where Miles, trying to look as intimidating as he can and in his knockoff Spidey costume, is waiting to ask him some questions. Uh, Peter B. constantly rotating slowly throughout this entire conversation as Miles mm-hmm. chases him around the punching bag. Uh, tries to look at him, and Miles is like, why do you look like Peter Parker? To which he explains that he is Peter Parker, sort of. Um, and Miles continues to question him, eventually uh, landing on, you know, how, are you a zombie? Are you, are you a ghost? What, what's crazy? Are you from a parallel universe? Uh, maybe one of them where Peter is from? Uh, which is an incredibly accurate guess for something he briefly learned about in a physics class documentary earlier. But go, Miles. He's like, this is great. You can teach me just like Peter said he would which Peter B. doesn't seem too enthused about. Um, Ever the slouchy, competent, uh, really, like, crouching moron, hidden badass situation here, Peter B. (laughs) breaks out of his restraints and goes to make his grand exit, Uh, but as he goes to jump out the window, he glitches out for a moment as his atoms aren't real jazzed about being in the wrong dimension, which is a real line. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, some of the science in this movie is... um... For narrative reasons, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I I think uh, the I think it's a f- interesting um, idea that uh, sort of the environment the I like to think of the environment in in most um, settings as a character in of itself mm-hmm. has essentially this, this foreign entity which is supposed to essentially um, cooperate with the thing that's trying to kick it out. Um, in order to to go home, um, yeah. and the fun visual, vis- I I really hope they release like a documentary or, or some sort of breakdown <laughs> as to how they went about um, designing some of the glitches. Because if you mm-hmm. go frame by frame, uh, some of the expressions are 
cartoonishly hilarious. <laughs> um, and uh, the animators must have had a blast yeah. um, doing things like that. Um, and then the framing going into this next scene Ooh. is just classic having fun with Spider-Man. So fun. As, um, I'm, I'm glad you pointed this out because I love the blocking in this scene and I want to talk about yeah. it. Because they, you know, they take advantage of the fact that both Peter B. and Miles are just sticking to whatever surface they're standing on. And that is up to and including walls. So as Peter B. is leaving the apartment, you know, he's walking down the side of the apartment building wall. Miles is following after him. Sometimes they're standing around Clumsily. the corner from each other, upside down, sideways. Yep. And But it always seems to work in terms of the logic of how we would be looking at a conversation. Um, mm mm-hmm. You know, even if they're standing on the wall, the camera will turn so that the wall becomes the floor and et cetera, et cetera. And it's just so, it adds so much fun, dynamic motion to what otherwise could be a very straightforward conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, because as we'll see, uh, Peter B. doesn't really want to be a spider coach and, you know, but Miles really needs his help. He's like, I can't just go back to being a normal kid. Kingpin has a super collider and he's trying to kill me. Peter B's like, oh, great, where's the collider? Because that's how I gotta I gotta jump through that to get home. And Peter B, yep. Miles is like, you can't jump through it. You gotta shut it off. And as they continue to argue about this, Miles reveals his goober, a.k.a. the flash drive. Oh, um, goober, not MacGuffin. Yes. Uh, Peter B's like, yeah, I don't remember what any of these things are. There's always, like, a key or something that you need to find, so I just call them all that's goobers. That's Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. But when he grabs the goober, Peter B realizes that it's broken, and he's like, great, now I gotta go steal another one, very matter-of-factly. Uh, and Miles is like, are you seriously gonna leave me out here to figure this on my own? And uh, he tries to kind of guilt-trip Peter B as he walks up the side of the building and onto the roof to leave, past a very confused man in his apartment, who I don't think this is true, but in my mind it's the same man who told Miles at the <laughs> ceremony that, like... Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I just like, that's my little headcanon for the movie. Yes. Um, Miles is just squatting on the side of the building, making Peter B. feel guilty, muffling a yell. Um, as <laughs> Peter B. slowly comes back, he's like, fine, you can come with me. I'll help you. We don't have a second to lose. Let's go get burgers. Hard cut yes. to them getting burgers. Um, because the place that they're eating at is closed in Peter B.'s dimension, but is the best burgers in the city. Um, I think, like, one of the fun, like, again, there's a lot of fun visual gags, but mm-hmm. um, I think in this scene like this, in the, in the background, there's a health code inspection, and there's, <laughs> like, a C on it, and I'm like, oh, this place is on its way out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Biles asks him for spider advice and gets some suit maintenance advice instead, uh, and he's like, well, this is kind of disappointing. It's not really the uh, mentorship I was expecting. It's not what I was getting from my universe's Peter, even in just the short time that I knew him. Uh, they look up the location of Alchemex, which is where the goober is from, uh, mm-hmm. and Miles is excited because it's in, like, upstate New York. They can swing there, but no, they take a bus. Training montage music comes on when they arrive. They uniform up, Peter B. pulling on his gray sweatpants over his spidey suit. Um, yeah. <laughs> Miles mimicking Peter B. as much as possible, trying to, to learn by doing. Um, and this is where we get the iconic uh, squat behind the boulder Peter B. sitting with his fingers on his chin and Miles looking at him and then slowly mimicking his pose as they're thinking. (laughs) This version of Spider-Man clearly... um, Like, I I think the tiredness is, like, Mm -hmm. fantastic characterization. Like, someone who's been doing this for a very long time and who... He doesn't plan on stopping anytime Mm -hmm. soon um, and has to deal with this this green new Spider-Man and he's like, I don't want that for him either 
Mm-hmm. Um, but like he understands the mountain that this this character has to climb because he's he's you know he's halfway up it himself. Yeah. Um, and uh, one the gray sweatpants and <laughs> the um, uh, perpetual five o'clock shadow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fantastic way visually to just to be like, yeah, no, this dude, this dude's just tired. He just wants to go home and eat pizza. <laughs> Um, he's gonna do his job he's still spider-man but he's gonna wear his sweatpants while he does it um and sort of having like miles along is just kind of it's it's different i mean we get into it uh, Mm -hmm. a little bit later on he he says but it's a it's a something new for him um that the character definitely needs yeah and uh you know they're, they're gaming out their plan pw's like i'm gonna walk you through this and they go into a comic book panel layout where we kind of walk through the plan uh, animated panels within the screen. It's it's very cool visual. Again, yes. this is a movie that I can describe to you what happens, but you really should just watch you it because watch you will this. get so yes. much more out of it that way. PW's like, okay, we're gonna go find the head scientist, go to their computer, get the password, download to the goober, break out, get bagel. Miles, you keep watch. Um... <laughs> Peter B. takes a moment to re-examine his personal biases when Dr. Olivia is revealed to be the head scientist, last name still withheld. Um, (laughs) And although Miles objects a little bit to being told to keep watch, uh, he does so as Peter B. runs into the building. Um, After taking a moment to punch a rock and break it, which is new, Miles sees Kingpin arrive at the lab and sneaks in himself through the ducts to find Peter, uh, all the while muttering to himself, like, this is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy, uh, which throw up little thought bubbles as he sneaks through the snow. Yeah. <laughs> I love that shot of, like, Kingpin walking into the building and Miles is running through the background, very <laughs> stumbly and going through the snow. It's beautiful. Um, I think it's, hmm, it's one of the few points in the movie where they play with the foreground-background element. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the time, like, a lot of the background elements are... are tiny little teasers um uh, like you keep uh this this um olivia's character had mm-hmm. already been on screen it was uh she was on screen in the classroom yes. scene when peter initially walks in i, I believe that is his physics class mm-hmm. um where that happens um so like it, it, it's very cohesive in terms of like uh, introducing this next character um in, in this part of the movie mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. A, it's it's very like uh, they really plant the seeds early on for a lot of characters that are going to appear later in the movie, which is nice because we have a lot of characters that are just going to kind of show up with it, understand pretty quickly what they do. Um, yeah. Crawling through the ducks, though, Miles runs into Peter, who is conveniently also there, and he's like, "I can't just wait outside and let another Spider-Man die in front of me," uh, which is really striking to Peter B, since most people he meets in his workplace try to kill him. As they watch from up top, Dr. Olivia shows uh, Fisk the multiple dimensions and explains that they can't open another portal without getting a black hole uh, created under Brooklyn. And Peter B., who's seemingly very nonplussed by this whole situation, he's like, these are pretty standard Spider-Man stakes. Watch, next they're going to say, like, you have 24 hours, and just sort of predicts how the conversation will go, which, of course, it does, um, as the, the Doc and Fisk make to exit the room. Peter B. jumps down and starts typing in the password, uh, mimicking the meme of Spider-Man sitting at the desk, which they do a couple times in this movie, where they, like, hear yeah. a, a comic. Because Spider-Man's been around for a minute, and, like, especially the 60s show has been memed to high hell. They do a, yes. a lot of callbacks to that in this visuals of this movie. As he's typing in the password, Miles tries to follow and gets stuck on a lamp, leading to 
uh, <laughs> leaving himself to be stuck and he can't, can't get himself unstuck. Peter B. tells him, you know, just relax, just be in the moment. And Miles is like, I am in the moment. It's a terrible moment. Uh, but in order to relax, he, he begins to hum Sunflower again. And as it works, as he begins to unstick and crash to the ground, alerting uh, Olivia that someone is messing around in the lab. I love this scene. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think growing up as a young kid, this they don't really teach you how to handle anxiety. Anxiety mm. is not really like um, a, a a thing you learn uh, about until you hit like you, you know late uh, late teens, early twenties when you're like, mm-hmm. okay, I, I need a, there's a reason why I'm having a hard time concentrating and being in the moment. And I think it's very interesting how Peter B. Parker says, just be in the moment. And Miles's response to rather than doing like. Uh, your typical grounding exercise is to lean on sort of the art that inspires him, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, he goes back to his happy places like yeah. him at his desk, drawing, listening to music um, and, and just vibing out, um, which is, I don't really have words for exactly why this moment is, I guess it's part of the reasons why I'm an artist as someone who's, Oh, he says, Oh, he is in the moment. It's a terrible moment as someone who's, <laughs> who's, um, been in points in my life where like being in the moment is not exactly a positive or very neutral mm-hmm. state for me. Um, having art as sort of this arena for me to to slide in and out of in order to to calm my anxieties um, is um, a thing that I have never really seen on screen up until this point. And, and for me, like again, like this this movie hits a lot of things for me. And like this moment where he's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm just I'm gonna vibe out sing this song and uh he gets over this one instance of anxiety uh and i was just like you know what i get that i've been there good for you miles yeah and then he unlocks the new power as well as he uh as yes. he, you know lands on the ground peter b goes to find him so they can regroup and get out of there and miles is now invisible which is new um peter b gives miles a super long password to remember remember and tells him to go download the goober while it, uh, Peter goes to turn on the charm for the doctor, uh, casually leaning against the desk in his very schlubby gray sweatpants. Peter says hello to the doc who walks in and is immediately fascinated by the different Peter Parker as Miles manages to get to the computer and put in the password after some prompting as they're sort of having a, a side-by-side conversation. Yep. Um, Peter B. trying to throw in the numbers and things that he's forgetting naturally in his conversation with the doctor. Um, but opening it, he finds just a mess of files. Meanwhile, the doctor locks Peter into an exam chair and starts going to collect uh, samples, which is not a euphemism, and (laughs) explains that he's suffering from complete cellular decay, and the longer he stays in this dimension, the more painful it's going to (laughs) get. And as she begins to get a little bit more sinister in her speech, uh, Miles, who is frustrated, just takes the full computer because it's just easier that way and starts walking out behind her. She explains the cell decay, and she's like, I can't wait to watch you suffer, revealing her full name, Dr. Olivia Octavius. It's Doc Ock, baby! Oh, this is... Fantastic. I, all the Two things in this movie are great, but oh, there's God. something about this Doc Ock that just hits different. One, the fact that her monitor is just littered with files. Um, <laughs> her desktop is just, like, littered with files. Yep. Just, as, as someone who's, like, worked on 
projects with different file versions mm -hmm. um and you, you get to that point where you're just like you're too busy to actually organize anything so you just throw them wherever file management um, is a, a non-zero amount of my day job and it's <laughs> probably the worst part um and i think that's a it's it highlights it, how like um busy uh, mm -hmm. Olivia is so like one that's one way to characterize this this one character uh, which is fantastic and then it leans into like this this woman is very smart and calculating like mm -hmm. she doesn't hesitate she's not confused by the presence of this other version of Peter Parker she, she's very right. quick she's on top of that and she also knows that this Peter Parker isn't aware of the person she is and very and she mm -hmm. leans into the um charm that you know the, uh, all versions of spider-man seem to have she's like oh he's <laughs> using the charm i've seen this trick before but he doesn't know who i am and i'm going right. to lead into that there's this very interesting power play dynamic uh, she gets him in the chair traps him puts him exactly where she wants him mm -hmm. um but of course the thing she doesn't account for is the spider-man in her the new spider-man yeah. in her universe the miles spin on it all. Um, she does quip that her friends call her Liv, but her enemies call her Doc Ock, which is where we get the name reveal. Uh, and mm -hmm. Peter B manages to make an opening for Miles to run for it, still invisible, clutching the uh, <laughs> monitor and uh, computer word uh, desktop. It's all called. I do. I, I call do it the box for a living. <laughs> I mean, I, I call box. it the box. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Peter B. and Doc Ock continue to wrestle as they sort of run through these, like, glass hallways. As yeah. we, we follow Miles as they're wrestling in the, like, sort of translucent glass behind him. Fantastic. Um, Miles, <laughs> as he's running, bumps into a scientist or intern breezing on past. It's Gwen, we find out a second later. She turns around and watches him run away. Uh, Peter B. runs with Miles for a bit, having caught up with him, giving him good news. They don't need the monitor, which he throws away. And I love this shot because the monitor is so clearly just like keyframed and sliding out of the shot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's beautiful. Like it, it just it makes the joke that much funnier. Before he gets pulled back into the fight with Doc Ock, uh, who's now trying to hit Miles as well. But he and Peter B. manage to sort of juke away from her, and they enter into a cafeteria full of very calm scientists. Uh, two things. Uh, mm -hmm. I forgot. One last detail about her design is the soft robotics. The fact mm -hmm. that her her um, her octopus arms are more reminiscent of an octopus, and that yes. is the very soft robotics. And uh, it, it's uh, an interesting. Ch I can't imagine how it's like to activate something so soft and squishy. But like in terms of some of the impacts and uh, animation curves that they have, uh, it makes. Uh, in terms of like, if you contrast that to the the original Spider-Man, um, Doc Octopus with the very mechanical arms, uh, it it just adds to the very medium that they're playing in. They're like, okay, yeah. great, we could give her standard mechanical arms, but if we're gonna have fun as animators, let's make it softer. Let, let's really push, exaggerate some of these yeah. animations, and like giving her um these soft robotics is like okay yeah they know the medium they're working in mm -hmm. and they're using the character designs as part of their storytelling yeah. and i'm just like i love this movie so much <laughs> everything about it is great um peter b and miles enter the cafeteria peter b's like okay remain calm we're gonna get through this selecting a bagel just act natural try and walk part out of the unnoticed all part of the plan <laughs> uh but it's to no avail one of the scientists is like it's spider-man and all of them whip out crazy you know mad scientist weapons and give pursuit yep. 
as they flee, Miles and Peter trade objects, so now Peter has the computer and Miles has the bagel, which Miles then throws back at one of the scientists, and when it hits them, it makes a bagel onomatopoeia pop up over their head. So good. It is <laughs> so, so good. good. I mentioned this on the uh, Scott Pilgrim episode last uh, last episode, but I love onomatopoeia popping up on screen in movies. I think it's because I was such a big Batman 66 kid. But okay, yeah, yeah. I just, I, whenever I see Automatopoeia on screen, I'm like, yes, this is all I wanted. And this movie it's, gives me so much of it. <laughs> the, the, like, the visual language in this movie mm-hmm. is so complex, so concise. Like, it knows what it's doing. Um, and uh, sometimes, like, half the time, like, you, you'll watch certain movies and they, they'll just, there's opportunities for them to throw more on screen. Mm-hmm. Like, there's one thing happening, someone's saying another thing, but you also have this opportunity to highlight, uh, like, a tertiary or uh, auxiliary action, and, like, that's where you can throw little details like that, yeah. and it just makes uh, the details are where it's at, in my <laughs> opinion. So, uh, yeah, Beautiful. no, this, the next scene going in um, is uh, fantastic because on, like, around, like, like my third or fourth uh, watching, I noticed something very interesting that happens as they uh, attempt to leave the mm-hmm. compound. Yeah, and they're going to do so now. Uh, Peter B's like, we gotta swing away, but Miles is like, you never taught me that! How do I do it? I guess I'll just have to learn on the fly. Uh, and they take off swinging through the trees. Miles is starting to run on foot as Peter swings circles around him trying to offer advice. Uh, Doc Ock rapidly catching up to them. Uh, but Miles finally gets it when Peter B's like, you gotta just stop listening to me and you gotta just take a leap of faith. Um, Peter B thwipping and releasing and they start to get into the rhythm of it. Uh, but Peter B eventually glitches out and the duo both fall uh, before the computer can hit the ground. Miles manages to catch it and Doc Ock wrestles the computer back from you, back from Miles. Uh, just when it looks like all is lost, rock and roll riffs kick up and someone else enters the fight. It's a third spider rocking a white and black hooded suit and ballet flats. It's Gwanda, a.k.a. Gwen from another dimension. Oh, so good. <laughs> um, so up until this point, there's like, because uh, it's, it's Doc Ock. It's the trees, it's the snow, and there's yes. these mad scientists. One, I love these mad scientists mm-hmm. because they, they wholeheartedly embrace that. Like, when they walked yeah. into the cafeteria, they were like, okay, yeah, we're, we know we're bad guys. Like, there's we, commitment we know to, to the here. bit and commitment. Yeah. There's, like, company loyalty there that is, quite frankly, yeah. unmatched in any non-evil organization. <laughs> Honestly. Um, so, like, uh, and as the chase scene is happening, there are um, flashes of mm-hmm. uh, Gwen in the background taking out some of these uh, mad scientists Ooh. as she follows the action. Um, and then her introduction comes in where she yes. uh, helps take uh, the the box from uh, Doc Ock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie does a really good job of... And this is, I've watched it a couple times now, so you know the first time I'm watching it, would never notice a detail like that because you wouldn't know to look for it but when you go to your subsequent viewings and you know who these characters are, or what the reveals are ahead of time, you start to notice so many more like little details that never really spoil any of the twists per se, if it's your first time viewing it, but they only enhance the movie every time you watch it after. And I love that they're able to pull that off without like bogging down the background or being too overt about it. It's a nice balance that they've struck here um, between seeding future twists and having little like cameos and things early on and uh, actually building out the world of the movie. Um, but of course, we've met another spider, which means we've got to go back to our old comic book introduction format. Uh, cue 
From the beginning, one last time, as we get Spider-Gwen's backstory. She's a drummer in a band. She saved her dad from being shot, but she couldn't save her best friend, Peter Parker. And now she doesn't do friends. Um, she got pulled through a portal and found herself in not her New York City. And her spider sense told her to go to Visions Academy. And uh, when she ran into Miles, she sort of started to figure out that something was up. Uh, <laughs> and that sort of brings us up to the present day. She's been doing... She's clearly very competent. Uh, she's been doing a lot of spider stuff for a while, much like Peter B, even though she's on the younger side. And as she sort of explains all of this, Miles is like, how many more spider people are there? And gets told to save it for Comic-Con. The gang starts fleeing through the trees as Fisk watches, flashing back to getting um, beat up by Spider-Man a bunch, and then finally beating up Spider-Man himself. But when he was doing so, his wife and kids saw him, and they fled from his violence and scary posingness and as they were fleeing they were hit by a bus and tragically died um which sort of explains fisk's motivation in this why he wants to go into the multiverses at all and what peter was referencing earlier when he's like they weren't you know they're not there you can't bring them back um as he's sort of ruminating on this doc ock shows up with her report She's like, there's at least three Spider-Men, which is good, because it means the Collider is working, um, and I can bring your family back. We just gotta go spider-hunting first. Ooh, mm-hmm. ominous. <laughs> um, a fun int- uh, detail about Fisk in, in this particular scene is that he's clicking the pen, which I yes. think when he was first introduced, he's also... I'd have to double-check on that, but like the, the pen clicking mm-hmm. um, is despite his very calm and cool demeanor, is the only indications of his anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in, in terms of, like, the, the amount of time and money he's poured into this project. And every time um, a, a hiccup happens, you know, he's, he's forced to more or, more or less wait um, mm-hmm. for uh, this, this, this very... I don't want to call it tragic, but this very unfortunate situation he he he's dug himself into he's like yeah "Yeah, technically his family's gone and it's technically his fault because they they realize he's a monster Mm -hmm. but he can't really accept that reality to the point where he's like i'm gonna fuck it i'm gonna go visit other realities i'm gonna grab those (laughs) families because those uh because i don't have mine um Mm -hmm. and uh, is a very straightforward villain and yeah uh he doesn't really need that complexity but that's Mm -hmm. in contrast to some of the various other characters that we have going on in it and it's a much needed break um Mm -hmm. from uh, a lot of the protagonistic characters uh up until this point yeah i think it's important that we understand fisk at least a little bit because otherwise he'd just sort of be a very flat character both in sense of character design and uh, motivations but it is kind of interesting that his motivations are so separate from like anything that miles is really doing because in a way, he's sort of Peter Parker's villain, not Miles Morales' villain in this movie. You know, he's an existing threat that before Miles was ever on the scene. Um, and taking him down is part of Miles' narrative arc, but not because he's taking down Fisk. It's because he's taking down the threat to, to Brooklyn, to his city, to his family, oh, etc. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this goes back to uh, my um, how I, I, I see world building. Like, this, mm-hmm. the world in of itself is a character. So if, you, if yeah. we treat the world as the protagonist its antagonistic force would be fisk mm-hmm. um uh so that's it's a different narrative happening right. underneath uh miles morales's main narrative um and yeah so 
and I think that's fun. I think a lot of stories do that, but there's there's not a lot of conscious mm-hmm. uh, creators that play into that dynamic. Right. It's a lot of fun. Uh, they get back on the bus because we got to go back to New York City, baby. It's a Spider-Man story. We can't have all this stuff happening in the Hudson Valley. Uh, Gwen and Miles are sort of riffing and bonding a little bit while Peter B. pretends to nap in the back seat, but really smiling. He's like, oh, my children are getting along. Um <laughs> And uh, Gwen's like, you know, I know someone who can probably help us. And they go to Aunt May's. Um, oh, quick aside. Yes. Um, here's so this is sort of where Miles Morales' charm comes mm-hmm. in. He's 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 not your typical uh, male protagonist, and yeah. that they decided not to give him a romantic interest. I guess he's well. Hmm, how do I? It's weird to know like exactly how conscious the the characters are of the information of the backstories, but mm-hmm. he very clearly sees someone who has trust issues, mm-hmm. um, and he's very patient with Gwen yeah. in establishing their friendship, um, and I, that is very refreshing to see on screen from uh, a, a male character, nonetheless black. You know, mm-hmm. he's he he understands that there's a very uh, there's a large distance between the two. They obviously have a lot in common, um, but he's not going to bulldoze that distance. He'll, he will be patient with um, Gwen uh, in establishing the rapport that, you know, both of them uh, sort of need at this point. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the scene is very sweet and fantastic. <laughs> it's sweet. It's a very natural chemistry. But they arrive at Aunt May's, and when she opens the door and sees Peter B., she's like, oh, gee, Peter. Uh, but also seems to know, like, what's up? And she's like, you know, come come with me, and they bring. Uh, she brings the spiders out back to the shed, which is turns out to be quite a high tech hideout. Inside, there's all sorts of crazy spider bikes and suits and things. Um, yes. Peter B, of course, looking at all this, is most taken with a photo of MJ, while Miles is most excited to see a cape on one of the costumes because earlier he was told by Peter B that right. Spider Man doesn't do capes. No capes. Aunt May explains that they may not be as outnumbered by Fisk and his goons as they think, as three more spider people descend from the ceiling. It's Spider Noir, Spider Ham, and Penny Parker, all here to make their introduction. Just when you think this movie couldn't get any better, (laughs) it does. Oh, it does it. Just to kind of run through them all, because they're all going to rehash their comic intros here, but it's mostly the same story, but with some variants, depending on what genre they're filling. Spider Noir is a hard-boiled detective, voiced by Nicolas Cage. <laughs> His man himself. Man himself. Uh, <laughs> you know, he lets a matchstick burn all the way down to his fingertips just to feel something. And <laughs> so edgy. Beats up Nazis and all that. It's wonderful. Um, Penny Parker is uh, the anime Spider-Man. She's got a psychic link with a spider that lives in her father's robot, and she fights crime her within a robot suit, and she's very technologically advanced and also looks like a little anime girl. Um, and Spider-Ham is... <laughs> Spider Ham is a cartoon pig. Uh, well, cartoon. I believe he says he was bitten by radioactive radioactive pig, pig. implying yes. that he was once a spider. Um, and <laughs> he uh, comes from like a Looney Tunes cartoon sort of situation, and he is voiced yep. by John Mulaney. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know they rehash the comic book intro. They're all trying to find their way home, uh, and they're like, we all we all want to go back to our own dimensions. We've all been glitching out. But one of us needs to stay behind and destroy the Collider. Every single one of them volunteers to do it. But Miles is like, no, no, no. None of you can stay. I'll close the Collider. This is my universe. I I can stay. 
Peter B. tries to gas up Miles a bunch, who can't turn invisible on command or zap on command, which is not particularly impressive to the other spiders, but Gwen speaks up for him. Um, as the other spiders then begin to sort of quiz Miles on being a Spider-Man, which is overwhelming to say the least, they sort of pile on top of each other in a montage. Um, Aunt May even gets in on it, asking if he could help create help his aunt create an <laughs> online dating profile so that she could get out of the house more. Uh, and this Aunt May is badass, by this the way. Aunt this Aunt May is, May like... is maybe, <laughs> maybe my is... favorite character in the movie. She... Uh, I mean, she has uh, a l- another moment later on in the uh-huh. movie, but like she's she's been holding it down since yeah. Spider Man died, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I'm I'm here for it. I'm oh here yeah, for it. oh yeah. You know, she's just a strong, independent woman, and we're we're so here for it. Um, and of course, above all else, the question they want to know the answer is to: No matter how many times you get hit, can you get back up? Uh, Miles is knocked down. All he has to do is get up, but he just can't he he turns invisible as fight or flight activates and he he kind of leaves the hideout as um hide starts playing uh and goes back to brooklyn leaving the other spider people behind miles listens to a voicemail from his dad who's just worried about him asks him to call him when he gets a chance um and we kind of transition from miles vision to jefferson vision his dad as he calls uh aaron to see if he knows what's up but just gets voicemail aaron's out of town on work business or something I think, oh my god, again, like, this this world is, is very cohesive. Like, mm-hmm. at, at this point, like, Miles legit just leaves Brooklyn. You know, like, he, he's been gone for, like, a solid, like, two days or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it, and it sort of, um, after all that ridiculousness, it, it grounds us again. It's like, okay, great. Miles still has a regular life back home. Right. You know, he's just that worried about him. And, uh, it's like, no, the transition is so good. Okay, like, okay, mm-hmm. um, the ridiculousness of three new Spider-Men, um, expectations mount on top of him, he leaves, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, smash cut back to his regular life, his dad's worried sick about him, because, you know, Jeff's yeah. a great dad. Because he's um, a good, he's just a good father. I feel like we cannot stress this enough, Jefferson is an excellent father. <laughs> I feel like it needs to be said. So good. It is. So good. Um, Too and then smash... Yeah. Sorry, just to keep this because uh-huh. I I will literally talk forever. Keep the straight um, woman. You got this. Uh, <laughs> and then transition to um this uh trying to contact Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we end up with uh Miles in his apartment. Yeah, yeah. Miles goes to Aaron's apartment, uh, trying to leave a note about how scared he is of what he has to do, and he's like, you know, Aaron's the only one I can talk to. Uh, but as he writes, the Prowler shows up, his sting indicating that he has entered the apartment, and Miles hides, turning invisible as Prowler Vision starts searching for him. Uh, answering a call from Fisk uh, while he's standing over Miles, the Prowler takes off his mask, and it's revealed that it is none other than Uncle Aaron! Oh, this reveal is so good! Um, Miles, rightfully terrified, flees, and as he's exiting the house uh, apartment, jostles a plant, and alerts the prowler of his presence, who gives chase. Oof. Okay, okay. Before we talk, before we get into the chase, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, there's there's this idea of like living in two worlds, which is part of uh, this um, identity of Spider-Man, and, and, mm-hmm. and applying it to um, black characters uh, is uh, on the big screen is was refreshing to see. So like we have um, the duality of Aaron and Jeff, you know. The, both street kids Mm -hmm. you know they they both used to tag um but uh jeff decides to be a cop um and aaron decides to be a criminal um more or less uh (laughs) it's also alluded though that um 
uh, Aaron is also very smart. Uh, he mm-hmm. helped work uh, construction. He was an engineer. Yeah. Um, so he helped build the the collider, as uh, I think that's alluded to. Um, so like, uh, and he's very um, he he's a, an important asset to Fisk. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, it, Aaron's no joke. Like he's he's just as uh, capable as um, any of the other villains um in this movie but on top of that he also has this dual identity of being both um a father figure to uh miles and um a main antagonist for him um so like they it's so cool it's so good it is (laughs) this reveal was just like i'm just like they're really gonna do this to me they're gonna rip my goddamn heart out Mm -hmm. um and uh going into the chase scene this anxiety uh yeah. that again like miles just can't seem to get away from um uh endemic of just being a spider-man um right. you know leads into this chase seat i think it's really important that that reveal happened in aaron's apartment too because that has been for miles throughout the movie like one of his most go-to safe spots like that is where he can go to be to just be miles and to listen have someone to listen to his problems and feel safe uh, and uh, clearly that has been shattered for him in this moment because Aaron, the comforting figure, is also the one who has been chasing him down and trying to kill him for quite a while. Miles manages to sort of escape through a massive, like, three-car pileup at an intersection as the Prowler-mobile fails to, you know, get through the traffic. Um, or so he thinks, as Miles runs off, the Prowler continues to watch him from a nearby rooftop, his sting transitioning us into another scene. Back at Aunt May's, Penny is hacking away, making a new goober, while the other spiders just sort of, like, hang out in the living room. Uh, Spider Noir, very excited by the colors on a Rubik's Cube, because, of course, his universe is all black and white, so he doesn't oh, know what any it of the colors are. So good. Oh, my God. Yep. Uh, Peter B is, like, trying to assure them that Miles is going to come back any minute now, and, of course, he does, busting through the door, but he's freaking out because Aaron is the prowler, his, his uncle is the prowler, uh, Gwen asks if he was follows, and his, their collective spider sense tells them that he was. Uh, Doc Ock rings the doorbell and then busts in, prompting Aunt May to be like, oh, great, it's Liv. <laughs> Meaning that they were friends, because her friends call her Liv, but her enemies call her Doc Ock. So good. So good. Oh, I love the, the little details this movie really complete the, the universe. And also, Aunt May knows what's about to go down, and is uh, throughout the montage that happens she becomes very concerned for the fact that they yes. are in her goddamn house this is her living room um miles goes to flee but there are villains from all the entrances of this little old lady's house so despite Aunt also May's, uh yes please <laughs> they randomly just threw scorpion in there yeah yeah okay. they're just like scorpions here too don't worry about it uh <laughs> he's never been in any single marvel movie um they're like Let's de- let's just debut him here. Like we, yeah. we don't know when we're gonna put him in. Like we don't have plans for him anytime soon. Does anyone anyone got um, the rights to anyone gonna raise a stink about the rights to Scorpion? No, great, <laughs> throw him in there. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Um, Aunt May does ask them all to take it outside, but they, you know, as Spider Noir tells her, they don't pick the ballroom; they just dance, and it's showdown time. Uh, we get to see all the spiders kind of in action versus uh. You know, their respective villains, and including Aunt May, who does punch a pale villain whose name I'm blanking on. He's Tombstone? Li- Tombstone, yes. Um, he just looks like White Frankenstein. Uh, <laughs> uh, she punches him because, you know, people are destroying her I living that's room. literally his bit, though. I think he's just literally just... He, he can't die. I, I don't know. I forgot. <laughs> I, 
He's the, weird. The like C lister Spider Man villains sort of start to blend yeah. together after a while. Um, Miles gets a hold of the goober, and the screech of Prowler alerts him to his uncle's presence as the fight sort of starts to spread outside. Um, you know, he him making his escape throughout the house. Miles' dad nearby gets a dispatch that there's a fight involving multiple spider people and goes on his way to the scene of the uh, incident. All the while, Miles is dodging the Prowler's attacks, trying to hold on to the goober, uh, eventually running to the roof where the Prowler gets him by the neck, but Miles lifts up his mask and Aaron is like, oh, oh no, 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 this is my nephew. Um, the music sort of drops out. It's very dramatic. Um, spoiler alert for anyone who's not familiar with the fate of most uncles in Spider-Man. This isn't going to go great for Prowler. Um, so, <laughs> oh God, um, this is a very, um, in terms of with great power comes great responsibility. This is where um, Aaron uh, shows he understands the gravity, mm-hmm. the implications of um, of his his nephew being the next you know right spider-man he um makes a very conscious choice Mm -hmm. um to shoulder the direct consequence of him working with fisk he's like at at the end of the day i'm going to choose my nephew over fisk right um because uh and he says this um as he dies which we'll get to he's mm-hmm. he's miles is the future you know it's, uh, despite his messed up past and the decisions that he's he's made he's going to make that sacrifice mm-hmm. uh because that's what the story demands yes uh kingpin calls to prowler to finish him uh but instead he puts miles's mask back on uh and as he does so kingpin shoots prowler in the back rip to another uncle in spider-man um, Miles uh, zips on away with Aaron, attracting the attention of Jefferson, uh, and lands in an alley because this is Spider-Man and that is an uncle. Um, Aaron is talking to him in his dying moments, like, it's not your fault, you're the best of all of us, you're the future, just keep going, kid. Uh, and as Miles mourns, his dad pulls up, um, he, you know, steps out of the car, he doesn't recognize his son because he's in the mask, and, uh... Miles kind of goes invisible and flees the scene as Jefferson notices his brother and also takes a moment to grieve before calling it an APB on a new Spider-Man. Back in his dorm, Miles is freaking out, throwing his stuff all around before a notebook flies back in at him through the window and the other spiders roll up. Peter B. comforts him. They all sort of say, like, they've all lost someone. A lot of them uncles that start with the letter B, but some of them, you know, their best friends or their father or what have you. Um, the hardest thing about this job is that you can't always save everybody. And uh, <laughs> as they're sort of having this very emotional moment, start a riot starts playing in the background as Miles' roommate comes back in and all the spiders try to hide from him on the ceiling in a little pile. And whenever he moves to one side of the screen, they go to the other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, so like, scenes like this are like why people don't like Marvel movies. Because they, they, there's always this one... A very tense, very emotional scene where Marvel feels the need to cut the tension with just a tiny bit of humor. Yeah. Um, and people don't like that disconnect. Um, I am a huge fan of that because mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, um, Marvel movies have the um, advantage of being a little more family-oriented, a little mm-hmm. more family-friendly. And, and the, the introduction of such such heavy and complex emotions uh, does need a bit of brevity. 
you know, like, it, I am imagining me, my my 10-year-old self, you know, a 12-year-old self going into the theater, watching this movie and getting up to the scene, and um, all of a sudden, like, this, I, my heart's pounding, I'm really feeling for this loss, and I'll, I know me, I would have been overwhelmed, and that little, mm-hmm. just that, this, two seconds, this is just the movie, breathe, and now let's get back to it, is... For me, I, I think stylistically, it, it's it works, mm-hmm. and it's I think it's the reason why Marvel movies succeed, and it's not holding them back. Uh, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I I think I I agree in terms of this movie. I think that this scene works particularly well. Um, in general, I think I think the reason that the scene works is because the whole movie is not constantly undercutting its own moment. I do feel like mm-hmm. some of the Marvel oh, movies yes. do tend to yes. okay, every yeah. single time there's an emotional moment undercut it with the joke, uh, the James Gunn writing strategy of it all. Uh, yeah. But here, I, I agree with you. I think it, I think it works. They do have a lot of a lot going on. It's very heavy, and to have just the moment of brevity and reminder that like yeah. this is still a cartoon is kind of a nice uh, breather. Uh, and it also gives us a chance to sort of transition away from just comforting Miles to remember that there is a super collider happening because we're going to move into that plot as the the roommate spots them. He passes out. They like put him in bed with webs on him. Um, and Gwen says goodbye as well as to the other spider people as they all sort of zip out of the room, leaving just Peter B and Miles. Uh, and Peter B's like, we're saying goodbye because it's, you're the only one say because uh, I'm the only one staying behind. Um, and Miles is like, but no, 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 because I'll be with you there. I'll, I'm the one staying behind. Uh, and he's like, no, we can't let you go to the collider. Um, Miles tries to argue with Peter, but Peter is like, you can't do your stuff on command. You just don't have it yet. You know, you're not ready. And he webs up Miles to a chair before um, Miles. And as, as he goes to leave the room, Miles asks, you know, how will I know when I'm ready? And Peter B is like, it's, it's a leap of faith, you know, before swinging yeah. away. Um, um, small detail with this scene it starts with like when they come in um the notebook that Mm -hmm. you know is thrown back at him is the notebook with the original sketch of no expectations and it's this weird narrative moment which is like you can't have this attitude anymore and we're gonna we're going to talk about it this is Mm -hmm. going to happen right now and it's, it's literally thrown back in his face um and when he's um webbed up to the chair he's literally the notebook is still on him. Like he's, he's, he's wrapped in it. And he's like, you're going to have to sit with this, this ideology that you've had up until this point. And it's, it's been shaken, you know, there's times where it's been shown that you, you want to live up to the expectation of Spider-Man, but like, you can't save everyone. This is a part of the job. Mm -hmm. At this point, you've gotten the the training's over. You know, like if you're going to make a decision, now's the time to do it. Um, And yeah, so it's, it's, it's gut-wrenching to watch him just sit there. Yeah, and we sit with him for a while, you know, day turns to night. Uh, It's not until Jefferson knocks on his door that uh, we kind of get a break from just sitting with Miles. Uh, Miles is, of course, tied up and restrained. He can't go answer it. Um, But Jefferson can see a shadow under the door, and he's like, look, just listen for a bit. You know, I I don't want us to drift apart. Um, I see a spark in you, and that whatever you choose to do with it, it'll be great says i love you one more time before leaving uh, and as his dad leaves and it's i'm describing it quite quickly but it's a very tender scene um mm-hmm. miles closes his eyes makes the decision and elect 
electric crackle kind of goes through his irises as he breaks free of the webs. Because it's go time, baby. We've we've had our darkest hour where it's all uphill from here. Um, his roommate wakes up to a room covered in webs. Uh, <laughs> scared of the dark kicks up and Miles gets his groove back. Uh, he goes to Aunt May's shed to make his own costume. His own unique spider look. It's Miles' look, not anyone else's. It's very important. He has to be his own kind of Spider-Man. Um, sitting on top of a tall glass building, he pulls on his mask as the world words of others from the movie echo in his mind. Uh, a leap of faith, and he leaps off the building, and for a moment he's rising, not falling, as we sort of watch a flipped angle of him jumping off the building. And the yeah. music builds as he swings his way through the streets, far smoother than he's ever done before. He finally has the rhythm he had walking past his old school at the beginning of the movie. It's now time for Miles' comic book origin. This is Miles' Spider-Man finally coming into his own. Um, one of the small details uh, I love about the scene is the leap off the building. Mm -hmm. um, and there's still bits of glass that yeah. come off um, to show that it, it's not... He's not leaping because of uh, confidence, you know, mm -hmm. like there's still that he still has that anxiety where he can't, you know, force himself to unstick. Um, uh, but uh, it's not enough to keep him to the building. Right. You know, um, and th those little bits of glass saying, yeah, no, this is a leap of faith. This is that's exactly what a leap of faith would look like. There's still a little bit of mm -hmm. hesitancy, but it's it's a new style um and let's get some web slinging from our spider-man because it's not a spider-man movie without some serious web slinging hell yeah so. uh as miles is going through this sort of denouement moment uh the other spiders all go to kingpin's penthouse where there's an elevator down to the super collider um and as they get there they're like how do we get inside luckily there's a fancy gala happening in honor of spider-man and all the waiters are dressed exactly like spider-man so all they do is they all put on bow ties and they sneak in very easily easy mode <laughs> Some, sometimes sometimes it doesn't have to be a whole convoluted plan to get in there. Yeah, and uh, I, I think... we're getting towards the uh, hour and a half mark of the movie, too. So it was, I was pretty happy that it was keeping it pretty light and easy breezy. The, the third act is is a whole bunch of cleanup. Yeah. And I, like, they're like, okay, we're not going to throw anything comp complex here. Like, y'all have earned this. It's about to get... It's about to get fun. Okay, yep. let's let's just go into this. Yep. Uh, as they're walking through, Peter B. gets distracted by this universe's MJ, who asks for more bread at table 12, and he sort of rambles a bit before Gwen finally pulls him back into the gang. Meanwhile, down at the collider under the building, Doc Ock is powering Can, wait, can I? Can I just... Can, <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Can we just talk about how, how in love this character is yeah. with his wife? <laughs> he, like, it's... It rips your goddamn heart he's out. He's a wife guy, you know? <laughs> so... It's, it's like, it, he, like there's this, because the reason why, you know, he, it didn't work out because he wanted kid and he, they wanted, uh, MJ wanted kids and he didn't know mm -hmm. if he could commit to that. Um, and he, it's not like he was bitter about the whole thing. It, it's, it's more like he was beating himself up mm -hmm. for not being able to, um, meet those expectations. Yeah, he's not, you know, he's, there's no malice towards MJ. He never stopped loving MJ. Their relationship broke down for other reasons, a lot of which was because of his own hangups. So it's like, it, I think they do a good job of showing that in the movie where he it never get the impression that he's um, upset with MJ for any reason. If, if anything, he just misses her profusely. Um, it's a nice, so many. So many old guys are just like, oh, I hate the old ball and chain. It was nice to not be getting that from Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so that like that one little scene, I'm just like, oh, come Ugh, on, Peter. Go, go get your girl. 
you can't stay. You got to go get your girl. Stop yes, it. Yes, go get your girl in your multiverse. Um, mm-hmm. Kingpin and all the spiders make it down to the collider as the scientists begin scanning for Fisk's family's DNA out in the multiverse. The city begins to sort of glitch out again as the collider powers on and the spiders all move into position. Spider, as the oh, spider gang kind of approach the panel in the collider where they had to plug in the goober, Doc Ock shows up once again and it's back to the brawl. Uh, the spiders periodically glitching out as they fight. Doc Ock gets Peter B on the ropes, but her own tentacles start punching her as Miles, invisible, is manipulating them and reveals himself that, and he is here to save the day. Miles way, baby. Uh, Peter B's so proud of him. Maybe he really does want kids. It's very cute. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, so going into this, I, I I really don't have much to say about the the montage yeah. uh, that's happening because it, it, it's fairly straightforward. It's a lot of fun. Um, but the uh, fun thing about the quips coming from Miles here yes. are between him and Peter, um, uh, which uh, underscores this this fun dynamic. Because normally it's 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 against the villain, mm-hmm. the main villain. Um, that Spider-Man would usually tease um, and undercut, but like a lot of the really fun moments are between him and Peter, and he'd be like, "Hey, yeah, no, like all those things you yeah. used to make fun of me for, I got it. I'm it's on cool. It. <laughs> it's um, great. Um, and it's so, I think it works for Miles too, because like the person that Miles has enough of a relationship with to know what to quip about them with is Peter B, and to like an ex- my extension maybe the other spiders. Like mm. these villains aren't necessarily miles's villains yet you know he exactly. hasn't he yeah. had years of fighting them like peter parker did so there's nothing for him to quip about with them like i guess he could get up uh doc ox you know jay on doc ox cat case about her like high school science videos but even that like what do you what do you do yeah. with that material that's weak stuff right. what are you gonna do with fisk or the scorpion uh-huh. guy you know um so i i appreciate that kind of like little detail in the writing of like here's who this character would have this kind of relationship with and here's how we can play with that they all get into the swing of things, haha, and get kind of like, <laughs> uh, as they're doing so, they find genetic matches for Fisk's family, and the portal begins to activate. As it's activating, um, all of the spiders' dimensions start coming to them, and the city becomes their battleground in this tube of swirling pieces of concrete and buildings and buses, and it's all insane looking and rainbow. Um, they, they, they're like, okay, we've had the village visuals up till like nine to ten we've mm-hmm. teased in 11 but we're just gonna break the scale and let's go up yeah. to like a 20 and yeah. i'm just like yes yes beautiful do beautiful it. very exciting and it's it's very colorful but it's never like um it's a fine balance they're striking here it's never overwhelming i think they do a really good job of choosing colors that are all like working it's together in noise. a perfect way yeah yeah it's not noise color theory <laughs> um their battle, it gets kind of tense. We get nice little moments from each of the spider people where you get like kind of an image of what fighting in their universe must be like. Uh, and as yep. it's sort of getting really tense, there's one, in, we get sort of like a spider ham interlude where it goes into like a full yep. Looney Tunes scene. It's great. They all work together. Unfortunately, there is a loss at the cost of Penny's robot suit. Uh, it takes one hit too many, but she is able to grab the spider that she has a psychic link with and put it on her shoulder. Miles saves Gwen as she's falling and they team up fist bump and take the primary trio of Gwen, Miles, and Peter B get ready to face off against Doc Ock. Uh, But as they're squaring up with her, she gets hit by a truck, and this is not a joke. That's how she exits the movie. Yep. Miles is like, you guys gotta go, and although Peter B objects, Miles has pickpocketed the goober back from him, and he's like, watch the hands, not the face, because he's he's calling back to how Peter B got away from him at uh, Aaron's apartment before, and it's Miles' flow zone time. 
Um, Miles is now in his element. He does fancy swinging, landing at the goober panel. Um, and all the spider people start to sort of say their goodbyes. Penny takes the spider yep. she has a psychic link with and, um, you know, all that jazz. Kingpin is furious. The spiders say their goodbyes. Pen, uh, my autocorrect notes got terrible there. Excuse me. Uh, Penny jumps through then Spider Noir, who takes a Rubik's Cube with him, because he doesn't understand it yet, but by God, he will someday. Uh, then Spider Ham, who gives Miles a cartoon mallet that will fit in his pocket before he leaves. Uh, and then Gwen, who Miles jokes with before she goes, having finally broken her I don't do friends thing, and they're, yeah. they're friends now, and it's great. I love it so much. Yeah. The patience um, pays off. It's, it's so good. Yeah. And the last one to leave is Peter B. Before he can jump in, Kingpin is back, and Peter B. tries to jump in and be a hero fighting Kingpin, but Miles is like, no, you need to go, and he starts to, like, hold him over the edge of the uh, stream. Peter B. is hesitant, because how does he know he won't mess it all up again? But as Miles tells him that he just needs to take a leap of faith, he too goes through the beam, having gotten his character development through his relationship with Miles, just as Miles has gotten his character development through his relationship with all of his mentor figures. It's beautiful, it's poetic, we love it. So good. <laughs> It's just Miles now, and he's here to fight. Uh, Kingpin tries to use the gun, but no, no, no. Miles Webb shoots us away, because that's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> that Very much so. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, okay, so the visual language for this fight. Yes. We go black, red, and blue. Mm -hmm. uh, that's it. Oof. That is Oof. absolutely... I... <laughs> oh, my God. I've Every time this... This this last sequence comes up. Um, uh, I'm I'm speechless. I'm. Oh, it's gorgeous. God. There's a reason that this won all of the awards that it did, and it deserved every single one. Uh, just Kingpin being. Uh, he's okay in the comics. He's he has superhero, superhuman strength, mm -hmm. but it's not through any weird like experimentation. It, it's by like th sheer force of will. Like it, mm. it's his charisma that powers um his his strength um and in contrast to miles's sort of green attitude it, it, right. he struggles against uh, his his conviction more or less mm -hmm. you know miles up until this point has set a lot of doubts a lot of anxiety and and, and that's essentially what this 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 conflict is right you know? um and uh wait one small detail in terms of like going back to the <laughs> collider um was uh they um the thing that goes into the collider mm -hmm. is the uh original is the elevator that the family took to get mm. down onto the street um and in in essence they were trying to pinpoint a specific moment where they were more likely to catch alternate versions right. of their family without you know dealing with weird multiversal mm -hmm. um uh glitches or whatever so like it's, the science is weird but like <laughs> they got the one thing right where they were isolating a specific moment there's like an internal to consistency the to the logic yeah. of the science in the movie that makes it easier to sort of just like you know suspension of disbelief okay i mm -hmm. understand the logic that you're working with so i i buy into it more than if you just started spouting like science buzzwords at me and i didn't totally understand yeah. how stuff connected i'm like okay you got to be at the place where the people previously existed because in other versions yeah. they might also exist there that makes sense exactly. i got you um, um but yeah no so yeah so they get into this whole fight yeah they hitch a ride on a passing subway car um 
And Kingpin catches Miles and is about to punch him in the same way he punched Peter. But uh, the cyber ghost, multiverse ghosts of his wife and son start appearing in the car and are once again terrified of him beating up a Spider-Man. Um, and that distraction is just what Miles needs to escape that particular situation. As they're having this fight, Jefferson arrives down at the Collider and sees Spidey fighting with Kingpin. Uh, and Miles, noticing him, kind of gives Kingpin the upper hand for just a moment. He's getting beat up on top of the Brooklyn Bridge, and Kingpin is speaking and yelling at him about how he's nothing. The real Spider-Man couldn't even beat me, and he continues to smash Miles, but Miles, seeing Jefferson yelling for Spider-Man to get up, uh, well, he gets the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> Miles asks uh, Fisk if he's ever heard of the shoulder touch, and <laughs> in a real heroic callback to his uncle, puts his arm out on his shoulder, and as he looks up and says, hey, he releases his electric shock on Kingpin and web hurls him into the panel, telling him to hit the green button for him. And conveniently, Kingpin running into the panel does what the green button would have done, which is shut down the collider and set it to explode. Uh, Again, the science there is a little weird, but like it works. It's a it cool works. moment. So we're going to let that yeah. rule of cool on that one. Um, yes. Miles and Jefferson hang on for dear life as the reactor sucks a bunch of stuff in, finally blowing up. When uh, Spider-Ham's remaining anvil hits it, which I love, is like that's the final yeah. nail in the coffin. It's such a good detail. In the kind of like quiet after the storm and storm and the rubble, uh, Miles is hanging suspended above it all on a web as Jefferson gets up and sees the new Spider-Man. He's arresting one of the uh, bad guy goons when he gets a call from Miles, who's from watching from a nearby rooftop. And he's like, "I'm okay," you know. His him and his dad share their kind of grief over Aaron and Jefferson's like, maybe we could find a privately owned wall for you to put your um, art up on. And Miles decides to kind of like drop the call and run up to his dad in his costume yeah. still and give him a big old yeah. hug. And he's like, I'm very excited to work with you, Mr. Policeman. And <laughs> yeah. you know, trying to be Spider-Man, but still being Miles. Um, yeah. Miles tells him to look behind him where Jefferson uh, sees Fisk all webbed up with Miles's sketch from one of his books pinned to his chest, yeah. a little calling card for him from his son. And as Miles leaves, uh, his entrance is his exit is almost perfectly smooth, except for one moment where he trips on a wall, but he catches himself. You know, the crowd's going wild. It's a new Spider-Man, baby. We love it. And now, uh, kind of wrapping up the film, we really do this comic book story one more time as we one get Miles's official uh, little Spider-Man comic book origin story. He finished his essay. He saved a bunch of people. He got hit by a drone while he was swinging. He bonded with his roommate at last. We get little splashes of the other spiders all back in their universes. We see Peter B. beginning to reconcile with MJ. Um, you know, Gwen decides to, like, hang out and call uh, Miles, etc., etc. Uh, we get the tagline, you know, anyone can wear the mask. And back in his dorm room as he's going to sleep, once again fading out to Sunflower, uh, he gets a multiverse call from Gwen and we spiral out into colors and cue credits and that's Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse baby Whew. God, what a good movie we're, and we're gonna <laughs> we're getting a sequel I'm not uh, even we're not even gonna we can't it's not, we do not have time to talk if you want to come back when the sequel movie, comes out we can talk about it then <laughs> yes I'm here to talk about one movie and one movie yeah. yes um okay absolutely fantastic you know uh, to kind of like bring it all home here, we've got to the end of the movie. Wally, what are some of your like closing thoughts on the movie? Is there a particular situation you might recommend that our listeners uh, li watch this movie with friends, alone, what have you? 
Oh man. Okay. Um, movie. This is this is a ten out of ten movie for me. This is like if if anybody yeah. wants to know what my favorite movie, this is the movie I point them to. Even if they don't like superhero movies, mm-hmm. I say watch this one because you you sorry, uh, <laughs> deal deal with it. Um, uh, it also is like this is why I love um animated films and not live action. Mm-hmm. The, the amount of control that um the team has on like what is shown on screen is immense um and very rarely do they hit all the beats right you know um everywhere from the writing uh to character designs uh set designs the literally everything animation um stylistically the music i i could go on and on uh the mm-hmm. casting oh, fucking hell so good Goddamn. um <laughs> Uh, and a, a lot of the um, promotional material for this was fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of content you pull out of this. Um, if you have literally never heard of Miles Morales and want to get into comic books, you know, this is a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in terms of story-wise, uh, I was when I first saw the movie, I was in a place where I was uh, getting a hold of my own story telling mm-hmm. chops, um, and uh, the this. In the inter- thematically, the this duality of being Spider-Man but also being your own person, which is repeated across uh, a myriad of characters, mm-hmm. kept coming up and up again. Um, the interesting uh, idea of having this uh, different antagonistic forces to not just the main characters but the side characters to the environment in of itself um, was fun. Like it, it has, there's a lot of dimensions. Um, <laughs> to the uh movie and it's and it's it's very well aware and conscious Mm -hmm. of the things it does the messages it sends um the jokes it plays um and yeah no this is a masterpiece yeah that's i you summed it up great it's one of the most cohesive movies i've ever watched everything from the writing to the design to everything about it works perfectly together a real no-note situation i would recommend people watch it anytime anywhere with any group of people um everyone from my uh, father to every single other person i've ever talked to has enjoyed this movie and he typically only enjoys like speed racer and weird sports movies from like the 80s so this is a real win uh but you know wally thank you so much for joining us i was so so excited to watch this because again i love this movie so thank you for giving me the chance to do so yeah um, no this this was a blast <laughs> it was a blast if people want more uh wally content where where can they find you me you can find me primarily on my instagram and twitter stuck in space or walpole in space mm-hmm. um i am currently part of the uh rolling with difficulty podcast Woo-hoo. uh you can find me there as well um new episodes are dropping uh fridays mm-hmm. um at noon yeah that's the goal <laughs> um and uh, my portfolio in terms of I am a storyteller in myself. I'm hoping to get some uh, projects out and do some really great things this year. Um, you can find me on ArtStation at uh, Go- Ghost Astronaut. Um, and yeah. Awesome. Well, all of that one will be linked in the show notes below. So be sure to check out uh, Wally and all his stuff. So he did some art for Rolling With Difficulty. That was very, very cool. So I definitely recommend giving his Instagram a browse. Um but I am off to try and design my very own Spider-Man costume because that is all I want in life now. I don't have to have the spider powers. I just want to look cool. Uh, but we'll catch you guys next episode with another fun movie. And uh, thanks for listening.
Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Struck. We'll be back on February 7th with another thrilling installment, but if you have any questions, comments, or concerns for the show before then, feel free to email us at moviestruckpod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you want more from our guest Wally, be sure to check out the links in the show notes below to his portfolio, socials, and other projects.